to a very special episode of Three Men in a Retrospective. Boys, we've made it two years without getting shut down. We've, we've, we've hit the over. Or as I like to call it, another year of not discussing Marvel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. You know, I was talking about this with Jen last night. We went to the movies and uh, I was talk- we were talking at dinner. I was like, you know, that site's already- we've already been up almost two years. It doesn't even seem like it. She thought it was only one year. I'm like, no, it's only been two. It feels amazing, actually, like, you know, and obviously they say time flies when you're having fun. And man, I'm, I'm definitely having a blast with this. And I cannot believe it's already been two years that we've been doing it. Well, if you look at the length of the catalog, it certainly justifies the two years that we've been up. I mean, this is peel back the curtain a little bit. We when we set out on our new platform, we really sort of had only the first year mapped out as far as what we were going to launch with predominantly Batman but from now until I would say 2025, we've got basically a roadmap lined up as far as what we're going to be covering. And that really kicked off this year where we've, as far as the 10 years, Garrett, that you and I have been doing this and, you know, now Adam by extension, is this the biggest like all-star lineup of franchises we've covered this year? It's been insane. And, you know, when we went and saw Ferrari last night, every single trailer that showed up, I'm like, oh, God, we're covering that. Oh, God, we're covering that. <laughs> and there were like six trailers before. Um, yeah, it's it's been pretty incredible. We've, you know, we've definitely picked up where we've left off with a lot of these franchises. Um as we're going to get to when we get to uh, our first review of the year, which is Ferrari. But yeah, we we've really picked up some steam as far as, you know, different things. We've we've started the DC universe and that stuff that, you know, over at the old place, we were, we were, there was no way we were going to be able to get to that and yeah, it it's been a whole different different journey uh since we've started this platform. We've seen franchises come back with the Hunger Games that we pulled out of dusted off and put back in front of a camera. We've started Star Wars and put a considerable dent in the amount of movies that we've had to cover. I mean, we've done two of the three trilogies. That leaves us with just the Disney era, which rest assured we will get to. There's just been Mm -hmm. some 
we wanted to put a little bit of a gap to kind of echo the real life gap between one era leading into another. But Adam, question for you. Did you ever think when we dragged you into this that we'd be reviewing of all things like a new Indiana Jones movie? Never, 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 never. Yeah, I mean, this was, I mean, the, the things we were going to discuss, the, the franchises and that, no problem. They were all closed. It was going to be a rare moment and experience that we had to go to the theaters to keep going on some of these, uh, you know, and as soon as it was like, oh, let's discuss this. Hey, new movie pops up. Hey, let's discuss that new movie pops up. You know, it's, it's that, that just keeps on going. If we're going to discuss it, some studios for some reason listening to us and they're decide they're going to dip their toe back into that water. Yeah. It's, it's really funny. It's like, I, I think I'm going to be like Enzo Ferrari's age by the time we finish up with Stephen King, you know, at this rate with how many new movies we have coming out and things. <laughs> well, you'll be echoing the iron claw and be doing drugs to keep up with the pace that we have to do to actually finish Stephen King before we look at, look like Julian Glover at the end of last Crusade. <laughs> so believe it or not, we've actually done 10 new releases in 2023, which I think by my money, I'd have to go back and really do a deep dive. I'm pretty sure that's the most we've done of strictly new releases. Part of that's because COVID really shut things down for a few years, but you know, we did a new Nolan movie, a new Scorsese movie, a new Hunger Games movie, a new Transformers movie, Fast and Furious, Indiana Jones, Stephen King, Flash, a new Shyamalan movie. Like we've done a who's who of directors and properties with, with more to come next year. And, and I'll kind of not to show our entire hand, but we'll talk about a couple of the series that will be kicking off the new year. Uh, but before we do that, we have business to attend to as we always do. And that is our, our best of what I think has been a very good year for movies and, and all totality. You know, I, I, do every year I put my letterboxed glasses on and see how many movies I reviewed, what was the ratio of good to bad. And I guess say there's been a lot of stuff this year that even if it didn't make my top 10, I was pleasantly surprised by. Same. Um, this might be the most movies I have seen in a long time since I was a member of the guild and actually, um, you know, actually having to screen them and things. And uh, this, this is definitely the most I actually, I watch new new movies, you know. We've we, our site's been built on you know past franchises and things that uh, have been built up. And this year, I really huckered down, and I, me and Matt were discussing before before we started recording. We both have watched over a hundred movies this year, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, I was doing the same thing on my letterbox. I'm like, oh yeah, I watched that. Oh yeah, like it's pretty remarkable. Speaking of being huckered in, I think Adam has only seen about 10 movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did what I usually did, which is like, you know what? I've only seen this amount. <laughs> so I go through the list. Yeah, I've seen. I'm like, oh, I did see that. Oh, I did see that. Was that this year? Oh, I guess that was this year. So, yeah, there was there was a few more than I thought, but not all of them deserve to be on a <laughs> ranked list. Even if I had to, that's for sure. Yeah, and rest assured, this is not a year where my top ten list is going to include movies that I gave like a seven to. Uh, everything that's on my top ten is at least an eight or a ho- eight or higher. 
Um, Same. I don't have any tens because it's it's not something I I hand out very often. Uh, but there's one. My number one I saw four times in the theater, which I cannot tell you the last time I have done that for any movie, let alone something that came out this year. So. I guess I'll throw the, the, the life ring out, whoever wants to kick this off. So whoever wants to get shit on first for their choice, the floor is open. <laughs> <laughs> because last year there was one that Garrett basically told me to go fuck myself. <laughs> well, I'll get, I'll kick things off. I'll go ahead and kick things off. My number five is one that I know I'm going to get shit on for. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's it fits in perfectly, but I have to say when I started watching this movie, I had almost zero expectations for it. Um, I have seen Jennifer Lawrence in action on set, and she is not a fun person to be around for the most part. I didn't think she had it in her to make a fun movie, but No Hard Feelings is some of the most fun I have had watching a movie in a long time, and I have not laughed that hard in I don't remember how long. And uh, me and Jen sat and we watched it. We both stopped and we were like, oh, my God, that was really good. And then I've seen it a couple times since, and it hasn't let up in how fun it is. So No Hard Feelings is my number five. Well, I can clinch my ass cheeks because I kind of agree with you. Um <laughs> It's not in my top ten, but I, I'm glad that she got off her high horse. It did something relatively lowbrow. Yeah, it exactly. Did it, it did it well. Like this was not, this was better than I think it had any right to be. Um, and I thought the part with her on the skates was some of the hardest oh, physical God. comedy I've seen in a long time. So funny. Yeah. Adam, do you even know which movie we're talking about? <laughs> I know what it. Is. <laughs> I know what it is. I haven't seen it. I've heard great things about it, and I want to watch it with Laura here at home. However, I also know that it's the type of thing I got to make sure the kids aren't exactly around for. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, part of it. I'm still absolutely amazed that after week one, it, this thing wasn't sold on Jennifer Lawrence does full frontal. But <laughs> I've, I've heard that it's an amazingly fun, um, it's still sweet comedy that I got to get to. Mm-hmm. It is on Netflix, if anyone's curious. Yep. All right, I guess Adam, you can go next, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see if we can rub some dirt in your eye or not. So for for my number five, I was trying to decide. I'm like, was this this this? Um, but my number five, and hang on, I want I need to double check a date here just in case. Oh God, we're gonna start on a technicality. Okay, yeah. Yep. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm fine. Okay. Absolutely fine. Man, this has been a really long year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but my number five is John Wick Chapter 4. Mm. You know, this is one I thought it was just going to, I don't know, I thought three was, was an okay movie, but I thought it was a downturn to what you know we got in Chapter 2. Um, so my expectations were a little lighter. But John Wick Chapter, chapter 4 was a nonstop near three hour adrenaline rush that never stopped. Like from the second, those opening credits started Uh, the soundtrack. Once again, was absolutely fantastic. The choreography, the colors, the fight was just freaking top notch. Like I didn't think it could keep the adrenaline going 
for the entire length of the film, but it surely does. Uh, the new additions that they got into the cast were were fantastic, and yeah, I was surprised how much I enjoyed John, John Wick Chapter 4, so that's coming in at my number five. Mm. And it is three hours. That was the, the most shocking thing when I left the movie. Yeah. And I looked at my watch, I'm like, really? It did not feel like three hours, and I can very seldom do I say that. With especially nowadays, movies are considerably longer than mm-hmm. on average than they used to be. I mean, we're at the point where a part one of a Mission Impossible movie is almost three hours. Or yeah, uh, it's amazing how many movies I saw this year that were over two thirty. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been some and some of them have been endurance tests in a, in a negative way. Like I I said when we did Fast X that. I was, there were parts of that where I was, you know, going into neutral myself, but, uh, that, that, that's a good choice. Yeah, I agree with that choice. And, uh, who knows, maybe that'll be a franchise we talk about in the not too distant future. Mm Mm-hmm. So my, I'm going to read my 10 through seven real quick because they're all movies we've reviewed on the airwaves. Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon. Iron Claw and the Holdovers. Okay. So, I thought I thought a couple of those would be higher on your list. Now, let me say, outside of my number one, these are in no discernible order. Um, I just wanted to get out of the way the movies that we've talked about already. And okay. some of them in great detail. I mean, Killers went as long as the, almost, as the actual movie did, speaking of three-plus-hour films. Um, Oppenheimer, same thing. Uh, Iron Claw was only two hours. Holdovers was two hours, but uh, I, I think all four of these are well worth your time, and they're, they all offer something a little different. So I'll, I'll go mm-hmm. right into my... I'll do my six, which is where I get to talk about someone that I really think we should do a retrospective on. We just need to wait for the opportune moment, and that is uh, The Boy and the Heron, which is the, oh. new, the newest Miyazaki movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it's been a good decade since he made his last movie, which we thought, speaking of pro wrestling, we thought this was his first Ric Flair retirement. <laughs> uh, but now he he has come back to a movie that I don't think is his best. I, I think the, the 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 praise around it, a lot of people are saying it's his magnum opus. I have to respectfully disagree, but that's because this man has made, I think, some of the greatest... Forget animation. I think some of the best movies as far as like pure fantasy that I've seen in a very long time. And I'm glad that we've gotten movies that are not afraid to challenge kids. Mm-hmm. I think this year, and Adam, you know, you're a Disney fan like I am. I feel like Disney's kind of pulled back on being afraid to scare children. Um, and I think they've gotten a little bit simplistic. Uh, I mean, Wish was really bad. Uh, if you ask me, that was their newest animated movie. Uh, but I will say this about Boy and the Heron. I think it's Miyazaki's most personal movie because it's partially based on his own upbringing. Um, there's some horror in it, particularly with animals. There's some gothic fantasy. I would pitch this as... It's sort of a hybrid of Alice in Wonderland and Pan's Labyrinth. It's kind of, it's that level of, you know, child goes into fantasy world, 
And it's got, you know, darker, unsettling elements that kind of leap back into the real world. Um, but like all Miyazaki movies, there's some stuff about man's relationship with nature and how, how grief affects people. Some of the best color schemes he's done. Uh, the score. Garrett, you, you can stop giving me shit because I want to compliment a score here. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, uh, they play like one song three times throughout the movie and there's little subtle differences each time it's played. So, uh, I, I think this is a movie that a lot of people will really, it'll resonate with people. And the good news about Miyazaki movies is you can find both the subtitled version and the dubbed version. And I normally don't like the dub dubbing because I think it can be distracting. Uh, but this has probably the best vocal performance of the year, maybe second with Robert Pattinson playing the Heron. And I swear you could not tell it's him. Um, really? Pattinson's if, the Heron, huh? If you listen, look for clips. There's no discernible way you can tell it's Robert Pattinson. So he might, he might have a career in voice work uh, if he chose to do it. But everyone else, you know, it's like Willem Dafoe. Very recognizable. Christian Bale, very recognizable. Dave Batista, I knew who it was oh, from the Jesus. from the first word he said. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Mark Hamill, I, of course I can catch him right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's no stranger to doing Miyazaki. He's probably got, um, you know, he's got one of the best dub performances with Castle in the Sky. So I don't think it's Miyazaki's best, but I think it's if this is indeed his last movie, I think this is a, a good way for him to go out. One of our best friends who's actually going to be Jen's maid of honor um, is a huge Ghibli fan as well. And she, she's been praising it too, since she saw it. And a guy at work has been really talking it up and, you know, we're trying to, trying to discuss whether it should be best foreign film, best animated film. Like I want to get to it. And I know I would like it with the way people have been explaining it to me. I just haven't been able to, but I, I, I am going to eventually for sure. Yeah. And it's been an up and down year for animation. So I could see this, this winning best animated feature. Mm-hmm. But I think also th- there's one other movie that I think is equally as deserving, but I'm not going to be mad if either of them win. I just hope Disney doesn't get it just because it's Disney. Because um, hmm. Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, did Pixar release a movie this year? Oh, that's right, they did. It was Elemental. If they did, then you know. Yeah. Which oh god, they, I hope that doesn't. Before they're rushing back to their wells all over again. Yeah, I mean the yeah. good news though, not to get too far off, is that they're all their movies that came out on streaming during COVID, they're actually putting in theaters. Uh, which are Soul, Turning Red, and Luca. Those are all going to get theatrical releases in 2024. I swore mm-hmm. Soul got a, a theater release because I thought that's where I watched it, but I guess not. So yeah, I got uh, Nightmare Fuel for Children Under 7 at number <laughs> 6. Uh, yeah, because this is not a movie I can recommend you take children to that are under like the age of 5. Because there are some Miyazaki movies like My Neighbor Totoro. I think that's an all ages type of movie. Spirited Away. Uh, Spirited Away, I would say maybe a, I think you have to be a little bit older to appreciate it. 
because uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think that's one that kids can complain it's boring. Yeah, that's um, true. And obviously, like, you know, don't show them Princess Mononoke. That was pretty hardcore. Oh, God, yeah. Don't, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. you know, much like all of his other movies, I think there's no better filmmaker when it comes to capturing the mannerisms and the behaviors of children uh, without talking down to them. I think he's he's always been very, very good at that. Okay. Um, since you gave your honorable mentions, I'm going to go ahead and mention um, my honorable mention is the Iron Claw um, that we discussed last week, and I'm not going to give my full dissertation on it, but definitely recommend it. Unfortunately, it did not make my top five, but it's definitely a recommend, especially for people who love the wrestling business as me and Matt do. And go back to that review if you want to hear our full thoughts on that. But my number four is a movie that I, uh, another one I had almost zero expectations for, and I was actually dragged to see it in theaters. Um, but once again, an actor who we will definitely be discussing again when we get back to DC and we get to Wonder Woman, uh, much like he did in that movie, he rose this movie much higher than it had any right to be. That would be Chris Pine, and that would be Dungeons and Dragons. Um, God, I, I had so much fun with this movie in theaters, and what I loved about it, and I don't think I was—I have even discussed this on the air. I might have discussed it with you guys. Is it doesn't talk down to the audience. It has things in it from the game, but it doesn't call it all out, which is what I loved about it. Um, and it's just a fun ride, and also, um. Matt, you mentioned the Fast and Furious movies. We've discussed Michelle Rodriguez many times. By the time you know she's in the midst of that series, I could not stand her. In this movie, she's back to being a really fun presence, a really good actress. And I had a blast with Dungeons and Dragons. I've watched it again since, and it's no less fun. So yeah, my number four is Dungeons and Dragons. As someone who was not, as someone who has not seen it. I, I have to ask because I have never played D anD D in my life. Am I going to be lost? No, nope. not at not all. Sarai has never played it. Also, she—that's the front of ours. She's going to be the main of honor. She's never. She's she, she actually yeah. She does kind of play it, um, but she did not feel lost at all throughout the course of it. And you know, I haven't played it in years, and. I was amongst the plot. You know, that's what I'm saying about, you know, you don't need to be an aficionado of Dungeons and Dragons to appreciate what it does. It's a fun ride. There's certain things in there. There are Easter eggs for fans and people who have played it. But if you if you haven't played it, you're not going to be lost at all. I concur. Somebody who hasn't played it, there's things where you're going to go, okay, that's obviously a nod to the game and that's it. But it doesn't, the track doesn't do anything else. Yeah, man, I think you guys. I think you guys would really like it. Great. Yeah, I, I wanted to check it out. It was just in and out of theaters so quickly. Yeah, it did not make that much of a dent in the box office, unfortunately, which is a shame because it's something that really should have. And it also came out at a t- at the time where a lot of stuff was getting released. That's true. Um, I think this will, probably would have done better if they released it more in the summer versus you know early March. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's my number four. 
Adam. With, a, with on that, you know what? I, I got a couple of honorable mentions, so I'm going to knock on those real quick. Um, just because you remind me, and on my honorable mentions was Dungeons and Dragons for all the reasons you said. It's such a a bright surprise. It's a fun adventure family action movie that the family can enjoy, walk away surprised from. Everybody should see it. Also, my honorable mentions is The Marvels. This thing crashed really huge at the box office, but for an hour and 40 minute film, I had an absolute blast going through it. It's not great. It's not even on the high level Marvel. It sits kind of in that middle tier, which is why it's just, you know, sitting as a lower honorable mention, but it's, it's a fun, the three of them on screen together are a joy to watch. Other than that, this movie was obviously edited and written in a blender, but watching Toyota Parrish and um, and Brie Larson and I'm going to butcher her name, but the the young girl that plays Ms. Marvel, they are a freaking delight when the three of them are together. So it's it's not a bad watch, and for an hour 40, it's pretty damn breezy. Um, and then also my honorable mentions, because it's going to squeak outside the top five, is going to be Indiana Jones 5. I know I'm the only person that's going to put that anywhere on a list, especially in honorable well, mention. Well, certainly amongst but, the three of us, yeah. Yeah, for us, but uh, go back and listen to that review. I like Dial of Destiny a bunch, so it's definitely, I had to put it there honorable mention-wise. Okay, so with that, my number four is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I didn't have a whole lot of expectation going in. I thought Guardians peaked with two, which I absolutely freaking adore. I thought James Gunn was already looking to the future, uh, and I didn't know what else you know, they were going to tell the parts of this movie that I don't enjoy are the parts that I thought he kind of had to get forced in there, namely Adam Warlock and some of that stuff. But the rewriting of this all as rocket story and the emotional beat the fricking tears that you can get to flow in an audience from an animated computer generated performance out of rocket. Like Bradley Cooper does not get the credit I think that he deserves with his vocal performance that he does with Rocket Raccoon. Um, But man, this thing was, it was colorful. It was light where it needed to be, but having the emotional beat with Rocket and Lila and Floor and Teeth just fucking rips your heart out. It makes you feel emotionally like I haven't felt in a Marvel movie in quite a while. So I was really happy to have that happen. Um, not the best of the Guardians film, but definitely good enough to to make it on my list. But yeah, Guardians Volume Three. All right. Well, we got our first repeat because that's my that's my next one. Um, mm. I'm sort of in the same boat as you, where I thought two was better than the first, and I think this might, for me, is the best of the three. Uh, and I say that because I felt like with this one. It was the first one of the series where I felt like every character actually had a purpose and an arc, which is impressive considering that they've added more characters to the actual cast. Um, I'm talking principle. Like, I, I agree with you. Adam Warlock felt superfluous, but I, I think that was sort of one of those things where it was a condition that Marvel said, hey, you have to use this character. Uh, and I think yeah. Gunn's even admitted that. Um, yeah. And, I, and I, this is going to sound like the ultimate backhanded compliment. Because I know Bradley Cooper can act. But his voice work as a fucking raccoon is the best performance of his career. 
Um, and, and I remember when they cast him 10 years ago, he was not the person I envisioned to play that character. Um, I always thought like Simon Pegg would have been perfect or uh, Nick Frost, if you were going for the, you know, Cockney style rocket raccoon. Um, I thought this was the best use of Gamora in the entire series. Um, as a comic book fan, this felt like the most authentic depiction of her. Um, and I normally don't like Chris Pratt in anything outside of these movies. I don't know what it is about this character that works for him. Uh, but I think he, you know, he does some solid work here. Uh, and in the Marvel slog that we've kind of gotten post Endgame, outside of a couple, this felt the most authentic to the director. And part of that is because Gunn has gotten the most uh, leeway of anyone they've hired. I think part of that's because of just how unknown these characters were at the time that they say, yeah, do whatever you want. Because um, no one's going to complain. You ruined the Guardians of the Galaxy from comic book fans in the same way that people wanted to hang Shane Black for what he did to the Mandarin. So I hope this is the last one because I thought it ended on a perfect note. Um, no pun intended because I like the song choice they used at the end. Um, uh, yep. They, uh, it was funny when it had to be. Like, I hate that it was spoiled for me because the part with the car. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, made yeah. me laugh <laughs> because everyone's had that moment where someone can't get into the passenger seat of a car. Um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's one of the one of the best Marvel movies they've done in a very long time, and I I hope it's the end. But I'm always was, I, I'm always fearful of that. That was one where whatever I thought I was going to get, it wasn't what they gave me, and I was okay with it from the opening. To the ending, like the way it ended, I was like, I never would have guessed that that they would go this way and that they would be. And I was so happy they did. I'll put this disclaimer, though. If you are someone who is sensitive to animal cruelty in any mm. any degree, <laughs> it's going to test you. Yeah. Um, and but that's OK. Think, but there's a message behind it, uh, which I think is yeah. the, the important the important part. Since Endgame, I have not seen one Marvel movie in theaters. Um, basically because I know, well, at the, at that time, I knew Matt and I, and now Adam too, uh, we're going to eventually get to Marvel. Um, we do have a plan for that. And so I am holding back on watching this until we get to it. But I have heard nothing but good to great things about it and um i'm not gonna say i'm looking forward to seeing it because everyone knows how i feel about james gunn and how he handles certain characters but i am um i am optimistic about when i finally get to guardians 3 um the marvels on the other hand god damn adam <laughs> the fire from freaking the the dragons and Dungeons and Dragons wasn't as hot as that take that you gave right before we you uh, started your Guardians three um, dissertation. But you well, know could, what? Could be worse. He could have put Quantum Mania in his top five, and I would have bitch slapped him across the airways. <laughs> I, I I would jump out this window. Uh, I think that is the because you mentioned at Garrett that you have not watched a Marvel movie since Endgame. It's not that I'm done with the Marvel universe. I'm done with the multiverse shit. Mm-hmm. I am I am so exhausted. And Marvel has obviously there's the whole Jonathan Majors thing now. Yeah. Are they gonna recast it? Are they gonna just 
scrap King entirely. I mean, they put themselves in the spot because you had King debut and he gets beat by fucking Ant-Man. And I'm supposed to believe this is going to be the new Thanos. Like you immediately shot yourselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and since we're not talking TV, at least on this, I will say, I thought season two of Loki is the best way Marvel has handled the multiverse. And talking about finales, I hope this is the end of that character. I don't think it's going to be. Um, I hope it won't be, but man, I hope. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, you talk about like characters, the, the thing that Marvel has struggled with is I still don't think they're over losing Robert Downey Jr. Um, and I think Chris Evans, too. I think they underestimated. I don't think it was impossible to underestimate losing Robert Downey Jr., but I think losing Captain America. Uh, specifically Chris Evans. And I'm sorry. Hey, uh, Anthony Mackie just doesn't do it for me as Captain America. I think losing everybody at once. I think if you would have had another movie or two with one of them to build up their next crew could have helped. But Falcon and the Winter Soldier was such a bad way to get us to that new Captain America. Just yeah, and oof, there's gotta be... Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Yeah, and there's going to be, you know, they're taking a break next year. There's only one movie that's getting released. Um, and it's, and it's the one that Marvel, has the least but... to do with the current status quo. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a, you know, 2023, I think, is the year Marvel has learned. It's sort of like they've woken up from their hangover and have have gone into rehab. Because I think even they've realized, all right, we've, we've fucked up uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. Um, I hope they learn from it. I'm excited to see this Echo TV show that's coming out next week. Um, five episodes is a good metric. Uh, I don't need 10. I don't need 13. Uh, five seems like a good number. I'm hopeful. You know what? We're going to discuss on that real quick since we're on it. I, I love the character of Echo. I have the initial run that where she was introduced in Daredevil from David Mack and Joe Casada. Like I have those original first print comics um, because I love David Mack's style of artwork. I'm excited about Echo. I'm not all that excited about Disney doing Echo, but the trailer looks like okay. They're going to try to do what they to this what they did with what Netflix did with Daredevil. Um, because what Disney apparently was going to do with Daredevil was absolute crap since they scrapped half of the entire season that they already shot and are starting over. Um, let's figure out why Disney has a budget problem. Uh, but I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio is back and I think he's absolutely a fantastic kingpin. Uh, it's going to be the first time Marvel drops everything all in one day. So we'll see. But, man, I hope they don't screw up Echo. But I think this may be more of the Young Avengers stuff. Yeah, and that's a story in and of itself when we talk about 2023 of the year. Disney released, did not release a single movie that made, like, a billion dollars, which I think is the first time that has happened in, like, a decade. Yeah. You look at all their big releases, either bombs or did not do as well as they were hoping. And that's pretty crazy when a billion dollars is the benchmark of a a successful year for a studio, you know? Yeah, I mean, but but it's Don't spend $250 million to make it. Yeah. Yeah, Don't spend spend $300 million on a fucking Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Yeah. 
we, you know, we discussed I, it when we when we talked about Hunger Games. That thing was made for a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like I, I think people are starting to see the 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 sun through the through the bars of the prison. Because um, even the movies like the Ultimate Corporate Shell, like Haunted Mansion, did not do well. Um, mm-hmm. And that that should have been a slam dunk. All right. Well, speaking of speaking of prison, Garrett, what's your next movie? <laughs> You know, sometimes I, uh, when it comes to films, I, I like to envision what it uh, would have been like if I would have sat and watched it with my father. And uh, this next movie is one, it was called throughout the course of the year, The Ultimate Dad Movie. And I couldn't agree more because I could see myself sitting down with my father and Adam. You remember my dad very well. And he would have loved Air. Um. Still Which basically is a movie about the making of a shoe. <laughs> you know, you hear that and you're like, OK, well, what's this going to do? Well, it kind of did what uh, the social network did to me, which is like, oh, it's going to be about Facebook. That can't be that good. And, you know, you have Ben Affleck and Matt Damon doing a movie like this. And I should have known that it was going to be as good as it was. And it is a very, very good movie. Um, and this is just one that I know my dad would have just loved. And I, I know it's not a new genre of dad movies. You know, we had Field of Dreams and Unforgiven and all these movies, everything that my dad loved. But uh, this one was the ultimate one for me. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's one I've sat and watched again since. And um, I get more out of it each time I watch it. So Air was my number three. Got to put that on the list. Matt, I think it's on Prime. It is on Prime. I've been meaning to check it out. I just haven't. Yes, I, I'm not a huge basketball guy. Even yeah, as well, someone, it, it, even it's as someone not even who about up, it's about the business. It's yeah. about the business and trying to lure him in. Okay. And, so it's like uh, the they, iron. It's like the iron claw for basketball. Pretty, <laughs> pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. <laughs> Although, again, we're, we 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 don't cut it to games or anything. Like okay. we're literally seeing it from the business side up. All right. I'm definitely interested because I I always root for Ben Affleck. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm glad to, I'm glad to see he's rebounded from, yeah, from, yeah, uh-huh. uh, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, uh, but between Batman and his last directorial effort was a bomb. Yeah. Uh, what was called? Yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, it's a good book too. That, well was sad, that was the sad thing. Um, was it good? I haven't seen it yet. No, but I like the book. It was, it's based oh, okay. on it. Uh, it's the same guy who wrote Shutter Island and Mystic River. Oh, okay. Dennis Lehane. Uh, gone, baby, gone. So it was the second time he was adapting one of his books. But um, I'm also not a huge Matt Damon fan. I've made that abundantly <laughs> clear on these airwaves. Yes, you have. <laughs> the just, that and the two of them together, it just it grates on me. Because I'm like, one of you is clearly more talented than the other one. <laughs> I can't wait to get to the Bourne trilogy, the Bourne movies. Then <laughs> that's, that's like the one outlier where I'm like, I like those movies, but not because of Matt Damon. Yeah, like I think there's other people who could have played that role, um, mm-hmm. and, and done as equally a good job. Um, not to discredit because he did all the stunt work and stuff, but but that's definitely a series I'd love to do down the road. And for sure, um, if they ever make a new one, because I, I know they're recently they've talked about doing a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Jeremy Renner one did not do anything. 
No. Uh, we got to tighten with Mission Impossible. <laughs> Franchises they tried to give to Jeremy Renner. They didn't. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, you're the one Avenger who's not getting a movie. You're getting a TV show. <laughs> yeah. One of their best, at least. All that, yeah, all but, but not because of him, because of Haley Steinfeld. Yep, yep. All right, my turn. So, wow. You know what? That unplanned segue. So speaking of Haley Steinfeld, one of my number three, <laughs> Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Matt Silver, that was coming. <laughs> um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It, look, um, the first Spider-Verse film to me was a, an absolute work of art of everything coming together. And Man, just one of the best comic book movies of any type, one of the best animation movies, period. Across the Spider-Verse is not that. I am not going to say that this merits up to that original film. However, this thing is beautiful. It opens in a way that I didn't expect. Like, the first 20 minutes of this film isn't even about Miles Morales. And they kind of turn things on its head, both figuratively and literally, in this film. The animation style is different from character to character, and that is astounding. It feels like a comic book brought to life. It's kinetic. The music is fantastic. Uh, the choices that they make with where the story goes, which seems silly and then makes sense and then gets emotional. The family beats with a kid going off to school and what that means for his mom and his dad. This ends up being a multiverse story, and it hits some of the same multiverse problems that we already discussed, unfortunately. But it does some things in a clever way that makes you go, oh, man. Um, yeah, I I adored Across the Spider-Verse when that got done. It The paintings that they do with, with Gwen Stacy just really made me feel i remember watching it with my kids and they were just like dad the art is so beautiful not animation not movie just the art and that's how they thought this movie and i i found it that way too um, the new characters that they brought in were fun um on blu-ray being able to pause it and freeze frame when they go into an area and just realize every little thing that they put into it god knows that the stories have come out that they fucking have tortured their animation uh, studios so much that I don't know if we're actually going to get the sequel in 24 like we've planned and then promised. They haven't delayed it yet, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's going to get bumped. But yeah, um, if somebody hasn't seen Across the Spider-Verse, what the hell is the matter with you? I think it's on Netflix. Go buy the, the steel book, but it is a beautiful, gorgeous film. I think you're talking to someone on the airwaves who hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. And I'm surprised you have not, because you gave the first I know, one. I, you gave the first I did, one. I did. Yeah, I know. I really, really dug the first one. And again, I think, I think I'm just saving myself for when we get to that series. I, I, I get it. I, I, I want to, but at the same time, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm just kind of apprehensive just because I kind of want to save it for when we actually discuss it. If anything, you can watch two and three when they come out, you know, when yeah. three comes out, when it does. But yeah, to me, and, this was the shoe-in for best animated picture until, you know, Mazaki came out with his and everything that I've heard. Um, I think that's going to steal that away. But to me, this is, for the ones I've seen, hands down, best animated film. 
I like the fact that you followed my review of Air with calling this a shoe-in. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, we've had a lot of good transitions on this. So for the record, the one thing that kept this off my list is I need to see how it ends. It's one of those part one type of films. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it ends on a true cliffhanger, which I appreciate. We don't get those a lot, especially now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's good that they waited five years to release this movie since the last one. Yeah. Part of that's because of COVID, obviously, but absence did make the heart grow fonder. And I thought the stuff that resonated was the stuff with Gwen and her father in the first 30 minutes. I thought that was yeah. uh, the best part of the movie. Um, and the way they added, they talked about like canon events, which I thought was uh, a good addition. So, and these, these filmmakers love Spider-Man. Um, yeah. They have such reverence for this character without coming across as uh, ponderous or snobby or the Zack Snyder model of, well, I'm just going to take the aesthetic and basically shit on the core of the character. Um, which, you know, uh, Rebel Moon will not be on my list, by the way. That would be on a separate list for those. I was going to say, is Rebel Wars or whatever the fuck that movie uh, is Rebel on Moon. any of your guys' list? I mean, I'll give him credit. He made a movie worse than Sucker Punch, which I didn't think was possible. Uh, speaking of movies that have part one syndrome, too, God, you'd have to tie me down to a Clockwork Orange chair to make me watch part two. <laughs> yes, I, 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 have, I haven't finished it. I got through the, you know, worse than fridging. Let's let's use uh, rape as a plot device to get the Ugh. story moving. And God once we got it, there, Snyder. I kind of checked out and Ugh. I just haven't got back yeah. into it. It's the second time he's done that because he did the same fucking thing in Sucker Punch. And you could see it coming from fucking ten light years away. All the villains have haircuts like fucking Simple Jack. Uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's space. No one could cut your hair. Well, all right. Well, speaking of being tied down, I'm going to get to my pretentious choice right here. Uh, I think I'm the only person who has seen this movie. Uh, Saltburn? Yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet. It's been looking at me for a while now, and I haven't sat and watched it. All right, so here's the deal. Here, here's the, the synopsis didn't really appeal to me. So here's here's the thing about Saltburn. It is the talented Mr. Ripley for millennials. Um, <laughs> you know, there have not been a lot of movies, part of it's because we're now 20 years removed, where we're getting movies that are reminiscent and critical of the early 2000s. Um, and this is Emerald Fennel, who made Promising Young Woman, as her debut movie, which is great. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a movie about, you know, present-day anxiety. Uh, This one's more nostalgic. Um, It's about social warfare. It's got the talented Mr. Ripley thing of the character who's obsessive, borderline lustful. Uh, This in a literal sense. I mean, this has some of the most provocative and shocking imagery I have seen in in a movie in a very long time. Uh, I talk about this in a lot of movies where we are terrified of showing the male anatomy on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last two minutes of this movie is nothing but that. All done. Uh, yeah, full on. Uh, Man, this cast is great. Yeah, it's and I'm not the biggest Barry Keoghan fan. Uh, something about him is always off-putting, but I think that works for this character. Um and the other guy, I don't know his name, but he played Elvis and Priscilla this year. Oh, man. Bad, bad.
bad casting in that. Oh yeah, Austin Butler put him to shame. Yeah, that was. <laughs> like, uh, but this family, it's basically like the 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 royal family if they were, you know, uh, yuppies. Uh, and the scene stealing performance of the year is Rosamund Pike, who I'm always happy to see in a movie. And she is the mom who has to make everything about her. Where every time someone says something, she's like, oh, yeah, I used to be a lesbian, too, at one point in my life. She's like that kind of person who has to put themselves into every sort of story. That's where um, that gif is from that I keep seeing. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, the one issue with the movie is I do think uh, it, it's it's a movie that's a victim of having too much good material. Um, and the ending overexplains. To the point where the character literally talks to the camera and explains what's happened. Um, but I think this is, um, like I said, if you like Talented Mr. Ripley, I, I think you'd really dig this movie because it's got a lot of similarities and, you know, it's beautifully shot. I think this is, if I was to give uh, an award for like cinematography or art direction, this would definitely be up there because everything about it screams like BBC costume drama, but in a, in a modern sense. So, uh, yeah, I, I, this is not for everyone. I'm telling you right now, if you if you walk out of this movie thinking it was a piece of shit and you blame me, you have the right to do so. But for me, I like these kind of movies. Obviously, you know, I had to see Jacob Elordi's bare ass. I'm all for that. Uh, but there are a couple of other, you, you know, like the performances. I always love Richard E. Grant. That man does not get enough credit for being one of the best actors out there. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good stuff in this. Interesting. Yeah, I, me and uh, Jen watched Priscilla probably about a week ago, and we thought that movie would have been great if they had just recast Elvis. He was really, really yeah, bad call, in like, that Austin role. Yeah, like Austin Butler be like, hey, you want to play Elvis again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this this movie, like I said, the synopsis of it didn't really – you're selling me on it very well, but the synopsis didn't really sell me that much. I did really like Promising Young Woman, though, so that I'm, I'm going to give this a shot. This movie has, like, the most cringeworthy scene of the year, but in a good way. Because we've all been called up to do bad karaoke. Oh, yeah. But the song choice is the ultimate way to put down the main character without him knowing it. Um, <laughs> I, I can't say I can't say a whole lot. Because the, this movie, like, if you read the plot synopsis, it does not sell it properly. Mm -hmm. um, it's also not the... This is not single white female. Or one of one of those like really bad '90s erotic thrillers, you know, like Color of Night, which is fucking mm -hmm. garbage. Yeah. Or you know, Sliver with one of the lesser Baldwin's. I don't even know which one. That was with William Baldwin. I was saw that, that in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> this is not that. Uh, this is this is uh, a lot more credible. That's a shame because I like Sliver. Um. <laughs> Because you get to see Sharon Stone naked, that's why. <laughs> hey, you like your bare ass, I like my bare Sharon Stone from the 90s. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm definitely going to check that out eventually. It's on Prime. It's on, oh, it's on Prime now. Okay, maybe me and Jen will watch it tonight. Um, my number two, I knew it was going to be a movie that we've discussed this year. And it was between two of those movies. And in the end, I decided to make Killers of the Flower Moon, a another honorable mention, and put the holdovers at my number two. 
I, I just think this one, as good as Killers of the Flower Moon is, and it is really good, um, go back and listen to our epic podcast okay, about that if you want to hear more of my thoughts on it. But And me and Matt discussed the holdovers about a month ago. This movie resonated with me more than that particular movie did. And for that, and for as personal as it is, I, I really dug this movie. And I don't think there is a human condition that Alexander Payne cannot put on screen and make captivating. And he takes a a series of characters and makes them all so captivating, including a character that just for, for all, uh, for all purposes should be just the salt of the earth piece of shit character. And yet he makes likable too. And a lot of that has to do with Paul Giamatti's performance as well. Um, but this is a movie that I highly recommend to anybody, especially in this season when it's going to start getting when the snow is going to be falling. And <laughs> as me and Matt mentioned on that podcast, this movie will make you want to grab a blanket and just hold it over you. And I recommend doing that in in the uh, in the in the winter when it's really, really cold. So and plus, again, the all the human emotions and things that this movie goes through is uh it's something that all of us can um, all of us can identify with. So the holdovers is my number two. Yeah, if you twisted my arm and forced me to like rank these, it would definitely be in my top three. Yeah, um, and I do think I've thought about it. I do think Paul Giamatti would be my best actor choice over Killian Murphy, but it's close. Um, it's gonna be a horse race. Yeah, and you know I I don't discount Leo because he's got the name. Uh, and I think it is one of his best performances. Uh, but I also think because he's won before, they're, they're gonna hold that against him because they, they picked the wrong movie to give him his IOU. Yeah. Yeah. They did the Al Pacino where they were like, okay, we're gonna give you an IOU. But then, you know, it's just like, that's not the movie to do it for, dudes. <laughs> and, and freaking Paul Giamatti's been overdue for, he's been one mm-hmm. of the best, like, most consistent actors. Going all the way back to private parts, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. Which me and Adam saw in theaters, by the way. <laughs> you in BC. Oh, yeah, I've called you the Antichrist for years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam. All right, so my number two, I can guarantee I'm the only person who's going to have this on their list. Uh-oh. But... Oh. <laughs> well, he already threw Indiana Jones, so I'm going to say. What it is. <laughs> At a time where I needed something big and adventurous and action-packed and bring me back into a good feeling of, oh, my God, I can't believe this is still going. Um, the Flash is nowhere on my list, so calm down, people. That's <laughs> Yeah, no, The Flash is not. No, 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 no. Uh, oh. <laughs> Dude. I had to oh, think back to, like, did he review that positively? Because I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember either. I got a I got a clear bottom five, and the Flash is definitely on that bottom list. That oh god. Okay, damn. good. Um, no, I'm going Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Ooh. Now, I resent that this is a part one because they've not done this with any other Mission Impossible movies. Uh, it makes sense, but I don't think they needed to. I don't know how this franchise keeps finding a way to go, keep reinventing itself. It is the modern-day Bond franchise. Um, I do think what Tom Cruise and the producing partners have done with what I call the impossible women 
are better than Bond babes because I think they have more urgency. Um, bringing in fresh blood when they need to, I think, has helped keep this series go really, really well. And Haley Atwell is just fantastic in this film. She is great. Tom Cruise is getting long in the tooth, and I think that's apparent. But, you know, other than him, this thing hinges on Haley Atwell, Vanessa Kirby, Rebecca Ferguson, Palm Clementif. I mean, that you don't have women in an action movie carry it the way that they do in these roles. And I think this is just it's it's fun. It plays with A.I., um, it's almost a year too late at that point. Um, but it's kind of scary how accurate it gets some things. Um, the main villain in this, you know, is a little rope, but you get that with action movies. But man, this thing is just, it's a blast. You know, you get different, see, you go from desert to skyscrapers to, you know, literally a fight in an alley that would make Daredevil blush from his staircase fights. Um, if he could and see. yeah, if he could see, uh, but it, it's so much more fun than I expected. Um, I don't think it reaches the heights of fallout, which is just, you know, glorious, but man, this was a really, really fun watch. Good to see on screen. I wish I would have seen it a second time on screen. Cause yeah, I, I can't say it's the best movie, but it is an enjoyable, really fun time. And that's what I needed. And yeah, impossible dead reckoning one is just, my number two. I gotta we say, I was kind of. I gotta say, Go I was kind of let down by it. Um, mm-hmm. I only say this because we've talked about this franchise before. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't mention that. But I think the thing that hurts it the most is five and six are just so freaking good um, that it was hard for this one to live up to it, especially with adding the part one. I thought that was a huge mistake. Um, because this story could have been wrapped up in one film. Um, and my, say two hours, 40 minutes. Yeah. I mean, look, the stunt work is as good as ever. I agree with you about the women. I think that's actually the, the best attribute of this series since basically since ghost protocol. Um, that's something they've put at the forefront. Uh, the thing that hurts the most is you've got Tom Cruise. You need an actor as the villain who was on his level. Uh, and we got that with Cavill in the last one. They did not do that here. And I thought the perfect choice to play this character, especially as the ending. And for the record, this was supposed to be Nicholas Holt. Mm. Uh, but he dropped out. Um, I don't know exactly why, um, but that was confirmed. It should have been Kurt Russell. Oh, that would have been fun. Like, as his, like, cause Ethan Hunt needs his true, like, age equal. And yeah, Kurt Russell's a little bit older, but I could buy him even at his age doing the stuff that S.I. Morales did, does in this movie. And this reminded me a lot of that fourth Die Hard movie with the, the AI shit. Uh, and I think it's way too overly complicated. Like, I'm still confused as to what the fucking entity does. <laughs> it does everything. It literally does everything throughout the course. Um, See, I, I, I kept waiting for uh for Emilio Estevez to come back at the end of the film. I'm convinced he's going to be the thorn in Ethan's side the whole time because we never see him die in that first one. Oh, God. So you think they're going to do like a full circle retcon where he's been behind everything? We never see the body. 
Yep. It was me. It Garrett, was me. Garrett, Ethan. For, the re- Garrett, for the record, if that happens, I am not reviewing the next movie. <laughs> I, <laughs> I will call you and say, Adam was right. Fuck this series. Well, we're going to have to do it eventually. And yeah. we were going to review that, but our we we were having issues scheduling it. And um, and the three of us do have plans to do the entire series ourselves leading up to that movie. And um, I am more on in line with Matt than Adam on this. Um, I will save my exact feelings for when we actually get to it. But, yeah, I was kind of let down by this as well, especially considering, you know, McQuarrie came back, everybody came back, and, um, you know, it's um, – it's been a long time since I've said I was bored by a Mission Impossible film, but I kind of felt that while I was in theaters watching this. Maybe it was just my mood. Maybe I need to watch it again to see it because I, I was not coming off a very good day when I went to the theaters to see it. Um, I, I don't think it's and, your mood. Uh, I just think that, that it's got pacing problems. When yeah. You have the big airport sequence for the first act, which is great. Uh, and honestly, if you want to shock people, and add stakes, you kill Benji right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was... Which I thought was going to happen. What, and I thought, like, because that's been my problem with the last couple movies, is that, like, nobody major has died. And that's kind of what this or series no. started as in the first movie, where they fucking killed everybody. Everybody, um, yeah. You know, and I thought it would have it would have added some more stakes. And the person they kill in this movie, I thought was the wrong... That was the wrong choice. Uh, and I was kind of upset they pulled that card. Um, but look, I mean, you can't knock the practicality of these movies. I mean, the whole train sequence at the end, uh, is freaking amazing. Uh, and you compare that to like the opening of Dial of Destiny. Sorry, Adam, I don't mean to keep shitting on that movie. But, <laughs> but, yeah. And, you know, I am excited for the next one. Like, this is not one of those things where I have no, it's not going to deter me from interest in the next one, but, um, I, I just think because Fallout is, I think that's one of the best action movies maybe ever made. Uh, it was going to be difficult to follow that. And in some ways, that kind of should have been the last movie. <laughs> I hate to say it. And we got to get Tandy Newton back for one more. Oh, that's right. She was in one of these. I, I always forget the second one exists. Like because that is the ultimate black sheep of this franchise, where all the so other ones, so all the other ones have got really point. good, have got really well praised, except for that one. People uh, come speak, back from every movie, but that one. And speaking of John Woo, Silent Night is an honorable mention. Wow, really? I had such a blast with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That oh, you thought it'd be in my I top was... five? No, 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 no. I thought it'd be in your bottom five, honestly. No, I'm the um, John Woo fan. I know you're the John Woo fan. I'm not really the John Woo fan, but we we had a blast with it too. And again, we were just coming off the killing when we went to see that. And uh, you know, I, I think Jen has a little bit of a little crush, which is why she she was anxious to see an action movie, which she never ever is anxious to do. Uh, but I. I kind of agree with you. I we had a blast with it too. It's it's nothing original. It does have a gimmick, but I think it uses its gimmick well. I was scared when I heard about what the gimmick was about it. Um, but but I also think Joel Kidman's at his best when he doesn't talk. 
<laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I I I took that movie too. All right, so that brings me to my number two, and we 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 could not have a more stark contrast from Mission Impossible and what what was your number two, Garrett? The holdovers. Holdovers. holdovers yeah. All right, so speaking of pretentious shit. Uh, you oh, hear the name shit. Yorgos Lathamos. That is the most pretentious name wow. you can think of. Uh, I saw this. I saw Poor Things literally last night, uh, and I have not been able to stop thinking about it. On my list is watch. Yeah, same. I meant to get to it. I got to one, uh, which is definitely not on my list, The Maestro. Uh, but I did not get to Poor Things, and I have heard great things about this movie. So... I can't say a whole lot because I think this is one of those movies that you have to go in knowing next to nothing. It is sort of Frankenstein from the female POV. You know, it's, it's kind of like Brian mm-hmm. Frankenstein. Um, like Lathamos's other movies, the production design and the costume work is just out of this world. Um, and I think this is the performance of Emma Stone's career and a career filled with great ones. Yeah. Uh, I think she is unbelievable in this movie. And I know Lily Gladstone's getting all the attention, but I think that is a supporting actress role, whereas this is best actress. Uh, and I would love to see Emma Stone. I know she's won before, uh, but she's so much better in this than she is in La La Land. Uh, speaking of career work, I said for months Robert Downey Jr. was the person to beat, but his Avengers co-star, I think, has his number. Uh, this is the best work Mark Ruffalo has ever done. Um, oh, wow. And much like Emma Stone, you know, he's always reliable. But if you watched the actors of actors where they had Downey and Ruffalo interviewing each other, keep in mind they've known each other for like 30 years. Um, yep. And Downey said, I had no idea you had this in you. Because it's so unlike anything he's ever done. And he he's hysterical, but he's also like fucked up in all the best ways. Um, I, I think this is it. In any other year, it would be number by number one, but only because my number one, I saw four times in a theater and I just, my number one is like special for me. Um, but I don't think that's a win best picture because it's a bit too abstract, but I mean, look, last year they gave the fucking everything everywhere all at once, so who knows? <laughs> like, you, you never know with that picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they gave it to a movie where Sally Hawkins fucks a fish. <laughs> so, so I guess we shouldn't be saying, oh, it's, it's too out there to win best picture. <laughs> this is one that if I, when I do eventually get to it, I will message you guys and say, yeah, I should have... Um, thought about my top 10 a little bit and seen this before because um, I'm hearing such great things about it and I love Emma Stone and almost everything she's in so I'm definitely going to be giving this a shot yeah speaking of Spider-Man yeah exactly and you know and I, when I watched the Maestro I thought oh there's our I Am Sam movie this year every year there's a movie like I Am Sam where like the main actor does it just to try to get that Oscar like that was the only reason Sean Penn did that role was because he thought that would playing a mentally handicapped person would be the way he would get an Oscar. And of course that didn't happen. Um, it was laughed off the screen and this 
I, I, I could not get into the Bradley Cooper character in that at all. And I'm just thinking, man, you are trying so fucking hard, dude. Just stop it already. I just can't get I should have put this one on instead. I just can't get past the nose. I, I can't. Well, yeah, that looks so it's like watching Dick Tracy. Yeah. 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 That's a good comparison. Yeah. Um, so laughable. And I just bothered by that movie really should have been told by a Jewish filmmaker. That is the movie. Spielberg and Gyllenhaal were trying to make that movie for years. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, It even has the Amblin fucking label at the beginning of it. So, you know, Spielberg had something to do. And, you know, Gyllenhaal is Jewish. um, Yeah. And I think he would have. He would have immersed himself in that character without having to do that ridiculous nose. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Poor Things is, is the one I should have watched last night. Um, so, god damn. We may have to do that as a one-off when we get to, because that's on my short list of gotta go see it while it's still in theaters. When I saw just the teaser, and it was just, a, you know, before they really started giving away what it was about, I just, I was like this. I, I gotta get to this. Because it, yeah, everything about that screams art house movie low budget that I really want to see with a great cast. Yeah. Mm. And it's not put up at A24, which is the most shocking thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought yeah. for sure this was an A24 production. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's also like a one of the best black comedies you'll see. Um, and, and I'm talking and love, like... And I love like, black comedy. Like oil so. level black. We're not doing mm. the Medea series, Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> All right, on that we'll note. We'll death to Smoochie. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so we're we're at our number ones now, huh? Well, my number one has already been discussed. And um, my number one is one we will eventually get to. And for reasons I will get to when we get to that movie, and plus the reasons Adam has already outlined, John Wick 4 is my number one movie of the year. You stole and, oh, thunder, you bitch. I, you know what? And I knew when you said, because we talked about the fact that you watched a movie in the theater four times, and um, and you mentioned that, oh, yeah, it's one you and Jen just watched recently. And I was like, oh, God, okay, yeah, I know which one. I'm sorry, dude. Like, I, I had, God, there were just so many things about this movie I did not, expect i did not think they could carry on with the chapter that would be just as good if not better than what they've done before but my god did they pull it off and uh, i'm just going to save everything else for when we get to it sorry bud no, it's <laughs> I'm, fine. Sorry. I, I'm just surprised i didn't think it was going to be your number one yeah no um, awesome to see um all right i guess i'll be the outlier then um, I'm going to go off into the desert and Oppenheimer is my number one film of the year. Uh, Another honorable think, mention. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I don't think it'll be a surprise. And I don't think, I mean, I think all of us love that film. We'll go back and listen to that. Um, it's rare that I can have a movie. I mean, it's, this is a biopic about the man who put together the team that created the atomic bomb. Nothing in this movie should have worked. Um, I, I am a Nolan nerd without, but I can also see his flaws and stuff like that. So when I see something like this that I just adore from a story that I would want to watch on the History Channel, but it gets brought to life by such such a great filmmaker. When I can have a scene where the main character, who hopefully is finally going to get the credit he deserves, because I've long loved Killian Murphy, um, when it's just him staring out a window, putting on a hat, and the score and the way it's shot, when that few moments can bring 
tears to my eyes, I know I saw something special. Um, it's still amazing that we can get a filmmaker who is going to make some of the biggest blockbusters with IP and then turn around and make a movie about Robert J. Oppenheimer. And somehow that also becomes a billion dollar fricking movie. Um, I just, I, I adored this. I didn't think it would have the legs that it did, but I'm so glad that it does. Um, picked up the 4k, you know, still booked to have it home to watch. It's yeah. Oppenheimer. I adore. I think it's gotten so praised at this point that I think it's going to have the, uh, I think it's going to be the, the Titanic issue, you know, that we had that it's going to get some honors, but not all of them. Um, yeah, it's Oppenheimer easily my number one. Yeah, um, one of the downfalls of doing just a top five is you leave out movies that yeah. you knew were yeah. going to be in it. And this was definitely been in a top ten for me. Um, and I could have put some of the movies that I had on my list a little lower if we had done this particular – if we had done a top ten. Um, yeah, this would have definitely been up there. And I am far from a huge Nolan fan, um, but this movie really captivated me, and it's just – I have never had three hours go by so quick in my life. Um, so I, I love this movie. Yeah. I'm with you on it. It's in my top 10 as well. So don't, don't think my, my omission of it is a slight. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned John Wick four. That was my number one. So I'll kind of save my thoughts on that as we get further along in the year. So I, I guess I'll mention. One other movie that's in my top ten, because uh, I realized I said six. Uh, I think I don't I don't know if I'm the only person who saw this, because uh, I'm not the biggest Todd Haynes fan, but I watched May December. Oh yeah, we watched that too. Yeah. Um, all I can say is wow, because this is one of those movies. I think it's really reflective of the time we live in, where. More so than ever, the media rewards exploitation of victims and the people who commit crimes. Uh, and the whole thing of, like, you know, the cost of immersion and, like, genius. So we saw that with Oppenheimer, we saw that with Maestro. It's here, too, but in the, the, the actor's circle. Um, and the people who only recover from trauma is the actor who doesn't actually have to go through it. Um... I mean, look, Julianne Moore, like, everyone knows how great she is. Like, it's kind of the, it's the Meryl Streep effect, where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure she's going to get nominated. But having reviewed the prequels recently, uh, we were not particularly kind to Natalie Portman. Um, this is the inverse. Um, where has this Natalie Portman been for the last, like, decade? Um, Man. I'm the exact opposite. I thought she was miscast. I did not like her in this movie, and that's why I omitted it. I, I thought she was terrible in this movie, actually. I thought she was just not really captivating at all. Maybe it was just the writing. I thought the writing of her character was weird, um, and I thought the way they handled um, – I mean, I thought the son was great. Oh, uh, I thought, what's I thought, his name? Charles, Charles Melton? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. He he was tremendous. But and and Julia Moore, as you mentioned, is great. But I thought Natalie Portman just did not fit in this movie. <clears throat> but I I can see why it's getting its praise. And um, 
you know, and it's the story they're ba- they're basing it on is obvious. And if you look into that, oh, God, it yeah. is more cringeworthy <laughs> stuff. Um, but you know, I didn't see the satire in it though. That's the weird thing. I all I heard going in was you know, it's black humor. It's got satire in it. They played this pretty straight. I thought. Well, it, de- it depends on how how you look at it. I think this is one of those things where perspective can really affect your how you perceive it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Julia Moore is going to win an Oscar for this because you know she's already got one. Um, but she'll yeah. get the obligatory Barrel Street nomination. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, not that it's going to matter because it'll it's going to be Lily Gladstone or Emma Stone. There, there's no one else that has a shot. All right, so that's our list. Um, I do have, for the record, though, my, my biggest surprise of the year, which it's not in my top ten because I couldn't find a spot for it, but I thought Wonka was a lot better than it had any right to be. I have heard that. Uh, and apparently, between Dungeons & Dragons and Wonka, this has been the Hugh grant assance. Which, who comes out the week before a movie does and absolutely blasts that movie? Yeah, he completely blasted it. What is wrong with Hugh Grant? Yeah, uh, George Clooney did it with Diamond Robin. <laughs> oh. Well, that was different. No, I know. This is... uh, yeah, he talked about how miserable the experience was. Where I'm like, what did you really have to do? They they just digitally imposed your face on a CGI body. Yeah. It's, it's Nicolas Cage in The Flash. Man, you just got into a booth and they scanned your face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and for the record, I don't have a worst of list because I've tried to stop doing that. Um, but I, I want media. Well, I was gonna say, so my 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 biggest disappointment of the year, uh, by far, is Indiana Jones. Yeah, that was that was one that made my heart sink. And yeah, another I, surprise. I, I, I go. I'm with you on that. Yeah, another surprise because I know Garrett fucking hated this movie, but I just gotta put this out there. I'm gonna say this in duck. You ready? Yeah. What do you think it is? The Flash. No. Oh God, no. Cocaine Bear. Uh, oh God, yeah. Ooh. Ooh, that was painful. That was a painful oh, I laughed, watch. I laughed my ass off watching that movie. It was stupid. You like that it movie? Was stupid. It was irreverent. But I'm like, I, I have to go based on the title, and I laughed more at this movie than I laughed at. A lot of mainstream comedies. I think next to Bottoms, this was the funniest movie I saw last year. Oh my god, dude! I should have laughed. Like this is a movie that I I feast on, you know this this kind of stuff. And man, me and Jen were bored to tears by it. And I tell you, I'll tell you another one that I was bored by, and I hate the fact that I was because I was really looking forward to this movie because I'm a huge David Fincher fan. But the killer was my biggest disappointment of the year. Just a complete bore fest that really did absolutely nothing. Um, you know, I, I had no emotional resonance with any character in that movie. It, things just kind of happened. Uh, it was it was over two hours of like I was into it. I was into the feel of it because all Fincher stuff like you know kind of like Michael Mann at Matt that we'll discuss later on today like I love I love the feel and the the way his films are shot but that got pretty old and it, and it gets old when you're bored and man I got bored by that really quick and I finished it but 
it it was it was probably the biggest slog of the year for me was to get through that movie. Is Fincher on melatonin because between the killer and Mink, his movies have become flawless. Yeah. Which is weird because I thought Mindhunter was tremendous. I, I loved that show. I thought there were. I thought he had. He was on a good roll, and then he did. He's he's done two movies in a row, which I agree with you. Like they they are slogs to get through. Yeah, Mink was my other really uh dis, real disappointment the year that came out. That was twenty twenty, right? That came I out. lost count. Yeah, it was it was bad, and this is two in a row where it just did not rise above uh-huh. average. Yeah, and I always have to say, you know, I have to shout out directors who when I when they make a good movie outside of work that I don't normally like, I have to give them some credit. Thanksgiving was so much better than it had any right to be, especially as an Eli Roth movie. Still, still haven't seen it. Uh, it's actually it actually handles the satire very well, um, which was the surprising thing because Eli Roth has the subtlety of a sledgehammer in almost everything. Else. Yeah. Um, the the kills are real. Like, if you like slasher movies, this is gonna hit all the right buttons for you. Like it's a it's a great mask that they use. Uh, there's some legitimately good shot compositions as far as the scares go. Uh, the twist is obvious. Like look at the cast list. Who do you think the killer is? I'll pause so you can look. You can probably figure <laughs> it out. Um, but look, it's been a it's been a lot of bad horror this year. Like you know. It's my favorite genre, but between The Exorcist, yeah. The Boogeyman, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Saw X. I thought it was fine. Um, it was fine. It's not best in the series. Everybody's like, oh, best one since the original. No, no, it wasn't. It's fine. Uh, I think we saw the last Scream movie this year because I don't think the new one's getting made if you've looked at all the controversy around it. Now the director quit. Yeah, that, that movie's yeah. got more departure. That movie's got more departures than Logan Airport. Like it's it's. it's <laughs> <laughs> hey Hollywood, there a couple, don't take a size. Don't um, side with Oh, and I gotta say, the most overrated movie of the year. I just gotta put this out there right now. You all can come at me. What is it that you people saw and talked to me? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, Complete. did I miss something? Yeah, same. I don't get same. It. it. I genuinely don't. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you, dude. Like, there were parts of that movie where I I felt like I was back to Get Out territory with me. And this is just with me; it's not with Matt. But I was with Get Out, or I thought Get Out had a great concept, but by the end, it kind of lost itself. Um, that same with same with this same with that one, dude. Uh, talk to me. I was so bored, and it was like you know the Babadook all over again, where people told me it was going to pick up, but it never really did, and I didn't give a shit. Um, there was some decent horror this year, though. Totally Killer was fun. I haven't seen that. Um, oh, it's 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 really fun. I mean, it's derivative, obviously. It's literally just a horror version of Back to the Future. Did um, they already make that it, with Happy Death Day? Kind of, but this one takes it to a whole new level. Um, no One Will Save You, I thought was pretty good. I haven't seen that either. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's another one. It's it's kind of like uh, Silent Night, where there's very little dialogue in it, but it uh, it it rises above, I think. Um, and Cobweb, I thought was decent. Um, that was the horror that really rose above for me. Uh, the Boogeyman we reviewed. 
uh, Evil Dead Will Rise was okay, or Evil Dead Rise, I should say. Yeah. That was pretty, that was okay. I thought it was better than um, the remake. Um, yeah, oh, by far. But, yeah. but look, I'm the biggest Evil Dead fan of the three of us, and I thought all it had going for it, much like the remake, was just the gore content. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm amazed at what these two movies have gotten away with. Um, yeah. Considering yeah. how overly sanitized a lot of modern horror is, even with blood, because so much of it's CG. Uh, but Evil mm-hmm. Dead, I mean, I give them credit, the practical work in these movies, especially the makeup on the Deadites. And yeah, um, I thought it was such a great concept with the hotel. But once you get to the last 30 minutes, it becomes here's the shotgun. Here's the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, they steal a gag from Evil Dead 2 with the eyeball. Um, <laughs> yes, they do. So I was just, you know, I thought it had potential to be great, but I don't know what it is. It's like no one outside of Sam Raimi can make Evil Dead movies. Well, yeah, because he has his own unique style, and people try mimicking it, and it doesn't work. Because um, um, I'll to say something. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Not to say something that's going to make Matt do a massive shift to our schedule, but I've never seen a single Evil Dead movie. I just got to put out there. Shift the schedule, Matt. Um, I thought, oh, I thought about it. I'm like, I, I honestly thought about it this year, but we we didn't just didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, never saw the old ones. Never saw Army of Dark. Never just. Oh yeah. Not for I any mean, reason. I just haven't. It's the never done it. It's the weirdest horror franchise where it started yeah. out as as low budget as you can make. You got a second one, which is basically a remake of the first movie, just better. Uh, and then the third one is a medieval slapstick comedy. Uh, and then you got a reboot that is so like the antithesis of Evil Dead. Um, and then you got this new one, which is I don't even know what you call it. Like it's just, yeah. I feel like it was a horror movie that they they got the rights to Evil Dead and just slapped it on. And it's got my favorite instance of this year of dumb white people syndrome with the kid reading the book. Uh, speaking of dumb white people, uh, can I can I <laughs> before I, no, no I want to this, ti- this make... ties in um, okay. the fact that there was a Transformers movie that I remotely liked this year. Um, it's not great, but I thought I thought it was good. Uh, we reviewed that. There was this year. Oh, Beast yeah. Wars or yeah, Rise Beast of Beasts, yeah. whatever it was called. Oh, that thing, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We reviewed it with Jen. Um. The one honorable mention, another honorable mention I will say is, I know this came out last year, but I was only able to get to it this year. But I uh, actually sat and watched Dahmer all the way through. It only took a few days for me to get through that thing because it is so captivating and it has perhaps the most harrowing, crazy, scary thing you will ever see. Uh, I have seen in the last decade, which is, you hear from the air duct what he's doing to these victims upstairs. And this poor woman is trying to plead her case and nobody's listening to her. Um, just, it is so harrowing. And it should also be mentioned that Jennifer Lynch, who is David Lynch's daughter directed a few of those episodes and she did a remarkable job. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, I know it was a huge thing last year, year and a half ago, but if you haven't watched it, uh, be prepared. Because it's not something you should do, which I did, which is like binge through it the way I did. But it is so harrowing, and um, it is it will it will stay with you. Uh, so you talk about horror. That's one I could recommend if you haven't seen it yet. I have not because Ryan Murphy and I just are not compatible. I, I hate Ryan Murphy too, dude. I'm not a Ryan Murphy fan at all. 
I decided to give it a shot. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it this one episode. I gave it the first episode, and the first episode brought me in. And Evan Peters is just amazing in it. Because when you said Dahmer, I was like, wait, the Jeremy Renner one came out 20 years ago. Why'd you watch, yeah. it? Why'd you watch it now? <laughs> Anything else we want to highlight as we close the book on 2023? Uh, that, I'm, I'm good. There's one other retro I, I thought about doing this year was Creed slash Rocky. Um, because Creed 3 came out this year, but just couldn't find the mm-hmm. time. That that one's like 10 movies. So I'll yeah, we... Creed, Creed 3, and it almost made my honorable mentions just because it was better than I thought. Like, I thought we were going to retread Rocky 3, you know, and they do a little beat, but the obvious that it, you know, I thought it was going to be Clever Lang's son in the end. Um, but it wasn't a bad film. There was some good stuff to it. You know, you've always had some moments of heart in every Rocky franchise film, and there's some in this one. Um, Michael B. Jordan and, and his daughter and going through, you know, the hearing loss and all that. Um, but um, you know what majors. I'll say is that, <laughs> uh, see, and that's the thing is you got the Jonathan Majors of it all. Yeah. And that's when stuff had started to come out mm-hmm. was when this was going on. And it's hard to, it's hard to separate how much of that because seeing the video of him throwing the woman into the freaking car and sorry, he's a violent, piece of trash that should never work in Hollywood again. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You did, well, I'm not sorry, but just you, you don't, you, you don't. Um, mm-hmm. But for Michael B. Jordan, for his uh, directing debut, you know, he did a solid job with it. And, and yeah, you know, fight choreography is hard. Um, I, not too long after that, watched the Sly doc on Netflix, which is, just a glorification of Sly. It doesn't do what Arnold did, where it goes into, you know, much more of, of him as a person and character. But yeah, Creed 3 was a, it's a decent watch. I don't think it lives up to either of the other two, but it doesn't suck. Matt has promised me we're going to be doing that series, probably for the 40th anniversary, is what I'm hearing. Um, I'm going to save my thoughts on it, but I definitely have thoughts that are probably antithetical to what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> starting from the fight choreography yeah on. well I, I just think the biggest issue is that like they that character is just not interesting enough to lead his own movie yeah and the app not without like you slide. really feel the absence of rocky especially there's one scene where like really he wouldn't show up to x mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. i know the exact thing you're talking about uh, you know what i found too is in the original in you know the first creed film Tessa Thompson is fantastic. She's like, great. She is, she's yeah. great. I don't know what has happened to Tessa Thompson in her last couple roles, but it's just like thinking that all she has to do is show up on set and not act. She's just got to be there, oh, get her hair it's, done. Uh, t- walk, it's Taika Waititi syndrome. Oh, I, I, maybe it was when she decided, hey, I just have to show up on set with Rita, Rita Orta, whatever that freaking other that musician is, and have a three-way with the director and I'm going to get jobs the rest of my life. Rita Ora, you know, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at the pictures of her Taika. And that's why yeah. you know, thanks for ruining Thor love and thunder. Um, <laughs> but she just puts out no effort anymore. And it's obvious. Yeah. She's, she's completely checked out of grade three. It's, um, it's sad. yeah. And, and it's look, I just think it's one of those things to where this, they, the first Creed movie, they really got it right. Yeah. And they just haven't 
they've kept trying to replicate that, but now they're starting to make the mistakes that the Rocky franchise made. Um, is this the first one where they acknowledge that Polly is dead? Or is that the first creep? Uh, no, Polly's in. Well, yeah, Paul, Paul, this is the first one they recognize it. Yeah. Uh, cause, cause I know, like, you know, because this franchise has been going on for 50 years, like, Sly's the only one left, basically. Yeah. Um, at least they didn't say he died off screen or anything. I thought that's what they were going to do, just the ultimate middle finger to Stallone. Um, but mm-hmm. thankfully, I think Michael B. Jordan has enough respect for him to not do that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and I'm, and I'm looking at one more I want to mention before we get into the Q&A, uh, which is not going to be especially long, is uh, I'm not the biggest fan of this property because I think it's been overplayed, but I saw TMNT Mutant Mayhem. Oh, yeah. Uh, didn't get to see that. Really, really liked it. Uh, part I've of, heard tremendous things about part it. Part of it's the animation it's style. It's not just copying Spider-Verse. Uh, it looks like graffiti come to life is what I would what I would say. And for the first time in the 30-year franchise history, they got teenagers to voice the turtles. Um, <laughs> and it's actually obvious. Uh, and it's got great vocal work, like from uh, Jackie Chan plays Splinter. Oh, that's great. Uh, and he's hysterical in this with, with the, the monologue he gives. A lot of it, like, you know, because I was turned off because Seth Rogen was involved. And I'm like, it's just, just going to be like a Judd Apatow production disguised as Ninja Turtles. Uh and outside of the 1990 movie, I don't really like any of them. This was a very pleasant surprise. Because um, I went in expecting nothing. That's one I wanted to get to, but the kids and I all wanted to see it together. And we missed the short window for it. So I'll watch it. I'll watch it with them. Uh, same way that we do Spider-Verse and that. I, I got a soft spot for the Turtles. I recently watched a documentary with Eastman and Laird. Um, so, yeah, I'll get to it. Rogan didn't turn me off too much just because I enjoy the boys so much. Um, and I think he's, as a producer, he has started to be really smart to buy up properties that other people can make and do well. Uh, animation wise, I like the TMNT that they did. God, what, like 17, 15 yeah, years ago o- now? It was the O3 series, the reboot. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was, that, that was in 2007 that, that they did that. That singular movie they did. Oh, like, the Lord, movie. I yeah, saw yeah. that in theaters. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've always got a soft spot for the turtles, but I grew up with them. So, you know, Garrett did too. So there's, there's always something there. Yeah. It, it's the one like property that's never gone away. Like they've always rebooted it or, yeah. or, or kept it. Like it's amazing that something that started off as a freaking daredevil parody has become one of the most profitable franchises. Uh, speaking of profits, we didn't mention none of us could have predicted Barbie was going to be the highest grossing movie of the year. Yeah. Nobody. Um, you haven't seen it. Me neither. I I'll get really. to it. It's it's on Max. I'll get to it. But I just, you know, it's obviously not for me. Well, I don't, I can't say that. Who knows? Maybe it is. But I don't give two bleeps about Ryan Gosling either. So oh, there's nothing on. that I'm going to rush for. The nice guys will change your mind. I, I'm telling you. Mm. <laughs> uh, well. Let's get to the fun part where we ask listeners to send us questions. Thank you, everyone, for not overloading us like last year. Yeah, like last year. Uh, Jesus. But we got some good ones. And the other boys asked. I'm the only one who has seen these because um, I sort yeah. of collected them all. Um, 
So the other two guys are going to go in completely blind. So if their answers don't that cold. sound uh, off the cuff, that's why. Yep. Um, so I also opened it to wrestling, but I put one qualifier. We are not going to answer questions that have to do with like Monday Night War specific. Like we're not going to mm-hmm. talk about the finger poke of doom or the screw job. Um, but there are wrestling questions, a couple in here. Uh, and Adam, oh Adam can actually answer some of these. All right. So, question number one. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the real easy one. Have you guys seen the Iron Claw yet? As a matter of fact, by the time you're <laughs> listening to this review, Garrett and I actually reviewed it as part of his uh, presents uh, interview. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the short answer is yeah. yes. I know Adam has not seen it yet, though. Adam yeah, go back seen and it yet. Go ahead. Sorry, Adam has not seen it yet. Adam wants to see it. A couple reasons. Um, I like the Von Erich story. Like, I, I know that story. I know the tragedy of that. Um, I think the cast is very well done. And I fucking adore A24 films. So everything in that movie is set up for me to to watch it and be something I want. I, di- I just haven't got it my a chance lately. My, my opportunities to get out and view movies because of the shifts I work is a little difficult. But I will get to that when I can. Yeah, go back to the Percolated Media Presents with Nicolette, um, where she discusses Buster Keaton and her documentary on that. Uh, go back to that, and uh, at the end of that podcast, me and Matt give about a 40-minute review. And um, yeah, Adam, I'd be really curious to know you know, if you listen to that review, you see the movie, if you had the same issues with it that I did. There weren't many. I mean, I, I enjoyed it immensely, as I said on that podcast, but there were a few issues that I would be curious to know um, how you would feel about it. got to say, too, I appreciate Zac Efron's kind of second stint in what he's doing in a lot of things. Um, and I think he's due for a pretty big, like, second act breakthrough coming through, coming out. Even something like like Baywatch, don't, don't, don't at me, people. Um but I think he shows that he's he's really got something in him. So, and that's one of the reasons I'm hopeful for Iron Claw. You know what? Even though that uh, stars my hall pass, I have not watched that movie. <laughs> I have never seen the Rock. Watch. Is your hall pass? <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. There's, I mean, there's more to that movie than than I thought there would be. It's okay. it's it's a fun little R-rated comedy. All right. I barely remember it. I know I saw it in the theater, uh, but I, I can't tell you next to anything about it. Um, but yeah, here for Alexandra alone, you should watch that film. I will. She does not get naked, though. You have to stick to True Detective for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which we she watch. gets naked in True Detective. She True Detective. Yeah, she does. Ah, it's time to start watching that. Yeah, me and, uh, me and Jen watch it. She's like, oh, now I know why you watch this show. <laughs> yeah, she had to leave the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, short answer is yes. Adam will get around to it when he can. Uh, if you're curious, because I know who submitted the question, I'll send you the link for the uh, the review because it'll be posted by the time this airs. Mm-hmm. Uh, another wrestling question: What is the the greatest dream match that never happened? Ooh. There's an obvious one. Uh, it's got to be Hogan Austin, right? Yeah, I was thinking that. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, but in different time frames. Well, here's the thing. 
remember, we'll talk about this in a few years, Garrett, they did Hogan Rock while Austin wrestled Scott Hall on that show. Um, mm-hmm. So if there was ever a time they were going to do it, that was the one year I think they had their chance because, um, you know, we'll talk about the circumstances, but that the the two biggest stars of the modern era, um, I think that is that will be the match for years to come that never happened. Definitely, I'm I'm gonna go see it. You got to go different eras. That's that's the problem because it's hard to say. Can you have the greatest match? Without Hogan in there, well, Hogan, you're not going to get a good wrestling match if you're going to get the biggest showcase, and you get you get Neon Sting and 1987 Hogan, and I I think you put even WrestleMania three's attendance just out to see. Let me tell you something, and Matt and I will get to this, but that dream match of Sting and Hogan did happen, and. Mm-hmm. God, did they fuck that up? Well, that's the problem. Is you did it yeah. so you did it yeah. when it shouldn't have happened. No, the, yeah. you know, it's, it's not that they same thing with Flair with Flair and Sting. You just you can't do it when it should have happened. I respectfully disagree. It's not the fact that they did it at the wrong time. It's that they the build up justified the match. That was a two year storyline. Yeah, yeah, you know? it was. And Sting was the most over he has ever been without saying a word. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. So you know, we'll definitely talk about that. As we as we move on, but uh, Garrett, anyone comes that any dream match that comes to mind for you that that was plausible? Because I answered this question without involving a time machine. Undertaker Sting. It's a great one. Um, and, they had a couple chances. And my other one. Go ahead. They had chances. Like remember when they bought WCW, yeah. people thought that was going to be um, even 2011 when Sting's TNA contract was up. People thought mm-hmm. he was going to. Um, you know, Russell Taker at Mania that year. And one more, um, Shawn Michaels and The Rock. I, here's the thing. I don't think it would have been a good match. Really? Because... Who would have thought Rock and Hogan would have been a good match? Well, I, I think the crowd makes that match, which we'll talk about. Like, that is the yeah. greatest crowd for a match you will ever see. Yeah, that's true. Um, because... The thing with, with Sean and The Rock is that there was always, and Sean has confirmed this, as has The Rock, they really tried to hold The Rock down those early years. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Rock always carried that. And the only time it could have happened was, you know, when Rock was still green or when Sean had come back and The Rock was only there for like a year. Um and honestly, the question is, who would have been the heel? I don't think you could have done a babyface versus babyface match with the two of them. Um, no. So, I just don't know. Uh, personal one for me. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Sting. Oh, yeah. And I say that because you do a Bible on the pole match, and the loser has to renounce Christ as their Lord and Savior. <laughs> <laughs> because um, there's a lot. Like, you know, Bret Hart versus Kurt Angle is one people always talk about. Um, but, but obviously but took the other one that I was going to say, <laughs> but obviously, you know, Brett by that point was basically about to retire because of the, the concussions and, um, things like that. But yeah, it, it's, it's always fun when you talk about wrestling dream matches. Cause there's, there's, there's so many, 
There are. And there's been dream there matches are. I never thought we'd get. Like, the fact that Hogan Rock actually happened um, is shocking because nobody ever thought Hogan would ever get back in a Vince McMahon ring. Yeah. Um, which I- Hogan Michael. Hogan Michaels. Wait, never mind. Well, we'll I can't wait to talk about that match. <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> um, you know, because Sean thought he could out-politic Hogan. That's not how that works, brother. Because uh, he did it to your that buddy Triple H a couple years before. <laughs> Ricky Steamboat, Shawn Michaels, I would have loved to have seen. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, that would have been. So I do have, a, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of wrestling questions, which is great. Because um, yeah. this, this is our middle finger to binge. We get this all out there. I know. Um, you know what? The other one that I would love to get, give me, give me Bret Hart and Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh. Did, well. Did we get that at WCW no, at some point? Don't think so. See, and I, I can't, I can't take seriously when they were in WCW. Cause yeah. I'm thinking of the, the choreography that they would have put together, the story that they would have worked to build, I think would be, cause I look at that, you gotta have an Iron Man match. Brett and Engel make it an Iron Man match. You know, the weird just, thing is, the weird thing is they I did fight. They they did one at uh, a Sirens Man event, I believe it was like '87, and then um, a couple years later, if, if you read Hart's book, he gets into this, where he was in Survivor Series '89 and uh, he was on Hacksaw Duggan's team and they were fighting Macho Man at that time, Macho King's team, and. Bret Hart tags in to face the Macho Man, and the crowd like lit up. And from that moment on, he said that was when he started going to Vince and saying, "You know what? I think we should do this match." And Macho Man was agreeing with them, and they never did do it. And yeah, I, I agree with you. That would have been tremendous. And I'm a, I'm with you. Like I'm on 98 Wrestling now, and I know they're gonna, they're building up to a Bret Hart uh, Macho Man match, but a lot of that just kind of flies by because the way they you know, did those storylines by the time the NWO was in full power and you had Nash and everybody politicking, it was, it wasn't going to yeah, happen. And you had we, Brett being jerked around, that. heel face, heel face. Yeah. Uh, and also when Savage tore his knee jumping off the, uh, the cage, he was never the same after that. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so I don't think it would have been the, 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 the in-ring classic that it could have been say like, is even 92 ish. Like when, when Flair lost the belt to Brett and Savage had come back after being retired with the whole Jake the Snake thing, you could have done it then. Um, yeah. So next question, also wrestling. What is the ultimate example of a never say never moment in wrestling? Mm. So um, you know what? I, I, I'm, go ahead. I, I'm going to go because of because okay for people that don't know. Okay, pink and black attack. That that that's that's my since I was a kid, you got my wrestler there. Um, Brett coming back after the Montreal screw job because of how it went, because of the punch, because of the lawsuits, because of everything else. But coming back, the Hall of Fame and the things that he's done since. I never thought we'd see him back doing anything with WWE. The loss of his brother, the loss of so many family members, and kind of the way he turned on not just wrestling, but specifically on Vince. I never thought we'd see him back doing anything with WWE again. I thought the Hall of Fame was going to be it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I thought that was him, you know, doing business, so to speak, where 
There felt tension there. Yeah, and, and it was, if you remember his speech, a lot of it was about, like, Owen and just, you know, shooting the breeze about his memories. Not necessarily, like, a thank you to Vince or, or anything. Because even at that time, him and Sean had not reconciled. Um, and remember, that year's WrestleMania match was Sean and Vince. And there was talk of Brett being involved in that match somehow, which ultimately never happened. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that's a good one. Um, certainly 2010, I didn't think it would, obviously the match with Vince could not be what it once could have been given Brett's stroke, uh, and Vince being, you know, considerably older even then. <laughs> uh, but I, I do think that is, I never thought I would see Brett on Monday Night Raw. I obviously, for people who have been following along with the Monday Night Wars podcast that me and Matt have done, I haven't watched any wrestling past 2004 yet. Um, so I'm going to go a little older here, but I, I have a couple. I, I will say, even though I haven't watched it yet, I knew the uproar that happened when Undertaker's streak ended. Um, I never thought that would happen. I still feel that was a flop job. Can I, can I tell you like, what the reaction was in the rub I watched that with? Yes. Silence. Really? There was literally two minutes of nobody looked at each other um, because, I mean, this is a conversation we'll talk about. I, I think the streak never should have ended because it was the one mm-hmm. thing that distinguished Undertaker from everyone else. It was and organic, I always looked at it as, yeah. as like a thank yep. you for being the good soldier all those years. And the streak yeah. became more important than any title. Like mm-hmm. at WrestleMania, like that was the... Um, and by that point, they didn't really acknowledge the streak. For for people who don't know, Undertaker was undefeated at WrestleMania, but it wasn't really talked about until his first match with Triple H in 2001. That was the first time they openly yeah. acknowledged he had never lost. And then slowly it built up its you know reputation, you know, because he wrestled Flair, uh, Orton, which Orton I thought was going to be the one if they were ever going to break it, it would have made sense to give it to Orton. Because he was a legend killer. And he was right? he would have yeah. benefited from the the rub. Mm-hmm. Brock was already a made man many times. Yeah. Later. Um so I always A, I didn't think Brock was the right choice. And the match was terrible because Undertaker got concussed five minutes in. Match. Um and it just Lee's explanation about it. Yeah, and it was such a flat because that WrestleMania ended with Daniel Bryan winning the title. And as big of a moment as that was and as as much as WWE tried to avoid that, because that was not the plan, um, if you know anything about that storyline, it was still kind of soured because we saw the streak end. Mm-hmm. I got um, one other one um, before you do it. And to me, it's because it's recent, and I don't think it's anywhere near in the news still the way it should be. Vince McMahon getting removed from his own company coming back to his own company and then selling his company in such a short term. Like, can we remember Vince McMahon basically got kicked out of his own company and then they found a way to bring him back, ignoring all the just horrific things that he did to women in that company and then turned around and sold it. It's really strange events of the last few years. It was an odd set of circumstances. I remember when all that was happening and, um, 
like just reading about it and some of the podcasts I listen to and things talking about it is what a bizarre series of events. And then him coming out with that mustache, like, who the hell are you, dude? Like, you're not Vince McMahon. Like, that, that, that Steffi has, like, basically quit the company. Yeah, she quit, yeah. That's, you know, with, with her husband still running things. It's mm. strange, strange things. And there are rumors that that marriage is pretty much at its wit's end, too. I don't think I don't think so. Um, yeah. So I got mine, and it is it is a return. It's Monday Night Wars related. I never thought we would see Eric Bischoff come to the other side. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, because Bischoff made it his mission to put Vince out of business, and he almost did. He got closer than anybody ever has. Really close. I mean, there was like a week or two away from that folding up shop at one point. And to see him in his first WWE appearance hugging Vince McMahon. He's such a whore. <laughs> like, like that was, first of all, the invasion was already done. So it was like, really, now you're bringing Bischoff in? Um, so like seeing that, and I left Jr. saying like he Satan's shaking hands with his younger brother or something. Like, uh, so many of them are returns. Like the Ultimate Warrior is a big one. That's a big one. Uh, from a from a physical standpoint, I never thought we'd see Edge get back in the ring because uh, neck issues are such a you know that oh, it's, especially yeah. with, with with like Benoit and concussions and just the way the business has changed. Um, it as well. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a bunch I mean, angle, multiple neck surgeries. Uh, one at the time was like revolutionary. Um, the fact that he wrestled Brock Lesnar in the main event of WrestleMania with a broken fucking neck. Yeah. Um, and still, and he was not the one who almost died. That's the crazy. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. But yeah. It's, I have a couple. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I have a couple that are also Monday night wars related, so I'm not going to get too into it, but, you know, being the huge Hogan fan that I was growing up, I never thought I'd see him turn heel. I never thought I'd see him go bad. When he turned heel at Bash of the Beach 96, and I think, Matt, I think, Adam, you were at my house when that happened. Um, we were waiting we for were like, to come out. We were waiting for that? Brett to come out. Yeah, yeah, waiting that's exactly it. Yes. Yeah, we were waiting for Bret Hart. We, that's who we thought was going to happen. It was going to be. Yep. And when Hogan came out, and my dad was like, like, my dad was the one in the room who was like, oh. <laughs> when he came out and then he did what he did we all were like what the fuck like it was a crazy moment because he was out in the red and yellow too like he wasn't out in the black you know we we thought he was there to do good and save the company nope um crazy and i didn't i another one we're going to definitely get into when we get into it we're going to have a huge discussion about it i don't know why because we, it's been discussed to death but what the montreal screw job did to the business and what, how it changed that the business, and how it pretty much turned Vince McMahon heel into the biggest heel the company has ever had, to launch into a storyline that would pretty much save the company and bring it to heights that would eventually get it on, you know, get it made public. You know, they 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 were on Wall Street within a couple years after that is just remarkable, and it's um that's something I never thought I'd see happen too. It's just somebody pretty much just breaking kayfabe and saying, and everybody's just saying, what the fuck? Even though 
yes, it was an inside job. Everybody has, has already admitted it. Um, although you can't, you can't pin down exactly whose idea it was. Cornette has said it was his idea. Helmsley has said it was his idea. Bruce Pritchard has said it was his idea. Like everybody has pretty much made claims that they had everything to do with it. But it is something that changed the business forever, and you cannot ignore that. I'm gonna say what it it made the industry break kayfabe, and yes. that was huge. Yeah. So I'm I, I have one because I, I wanted to include one that was not like a return or a, a death, you know, something tragic. So I, want, I wanted to I wanted to do a positive one. Uh, Good luck. SummerSlam 02, <laughs> when Sean got back in the ring and had oh, a yeah. street fight with Triple H. I was not expecting to see the old Shawn Michaels. I, I was yeah. expecting him to move around like Hulk Hogan does nowadays. Um, and it was like he had not missed a beat. Um, and it led to one of the great renaissance second runs for, for any wrestler that lasted longer than his actual main event run from 96 to 98. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so that's a, that's a positive one. Uh, but yeah, it's not in, uh, when you think of Never Say Never, a lot of it's the returns. I, I think that's the, I mean, mm-hmm. seeing Sting in a WWE ring after he fought yeah. against it for so long. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, a lot for a lot of people, a lot of people never thought WCW would fold. I don't know, man. Once 2000 rolled around, I think people yeah. kind of saw the like, writing on the like wall. If you told somebody in 98, that three years from now the company is going to be gone. Nobody yeah. would have believed you. That's true. And if you also said, "Wait till you see who they're going to put the belt on at WCW." Yeah, Yo, yeah. But, I mean, look, look at 2000. Uh, there were like 26 world title changes, I, and that's not an exaggeration. And, and no. Rodman's not the worst of them. Yeah, and and mm. Arquette is not the worst one. Mm. Um, I can't wait till we get to that. Oh year. God. Yeah, you say that, but I, I don't know if there's enough alcohol. <laughs> All right. Speaking of you alcohol, play in that 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 movie that um Ready to Rumble that Arquette did that wrestling movie. We talked about that yesterday at the Iron Claw. Yeah, we did. We, we, we did. mentioned okay. Garrett's never. Yeah, seen you guys got. He's never seen it. I've never seen it. No. Oh, you got the like. It's like they take shot. Like you got a an amalgam of Jerry Lawler in there. Oh, you got to do it. We will when, when we get to when we get to two thousand. That'll be a uh, episode in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it explains a lot of our cat and WCW. Oh God! Yeah. Like it was the sole reason they the built. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, next question. Speaking of alcohol, Matt, have you ever? And this applies to all of you by extension. Matt is the most vocal sports fan by far. He has his own show. Have any of you ever considered rooting for another team and abandoning your current one? Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the fucking time all of our all of our sports discussions in our thread is pretty much like god these guys suck i wish they would just lose and get it over with but at the same time getting a draft pick doesn't guarantee a fucking victory in the future either so it's just like you know you get to a point where you know for for those who don't know and if you've listened to matt's show i've been on it a couple times i my, the team i root for is the giants new york giants and god they have just had one of the worst seasons ever imaginable um and yeah i i i, I just like god these guys suck like <laughs> get them off my tv jen's like oh the giants are playing and i'm like i don't care <laughs> turn it off i don't care <laughs> 
Um, but this would be an interesting one for Adam because ever since I've known Adam, he's been an Eagles freak. So, do you yep. have you ever done it? No, and never have, never will. Like I can, I can cheer on other teams. Cheering doesn't necessarily equal fandom. But no, growing up, I was a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles, even though born and raised in the Bay Area. When I was coming to the age of reason, Randall Cunningham was one of the most amazing players I'd ever seen. Um, so no, I stuck my fandom and no, I'm a loyal man. I don't cheat. So no, you don't switch teams. Damn it. <laughs> I've never said it. that I've switched teams. I just, I just rooted against so for the record, that's I, the just, que- I just that's, want the suffering that's the to heart end. Of the question is, would you ever root for like a band? Like would I ever abandon the Jets and root for another team? Right. Yeah. And that's what I can't. No, I can't. And it's one of the reasons I'm not big on fantasy football. Like I can do it on, you know, from a, from a 10,000 foot level, but I'm never going to, you know, put somebody in a squad where I'm hoping that they play well against my team. I just, I think that's the antithesis of fandom. Now take it away from football. I've been an Oakland A's fan since I was born. <laughs> um, you know, the movie Moneyball, guess who was sitting one section over from where that Scott Hatterberg home run landed? Yeah. Me, I was there that 20th game. Um, I was there for about a third of that homestand because I was going to games by myself all the time that year. Um, Bay Bridge World Series. I still have merchandise because my grandparents were smart enough to go. This may never happen again. We just had an earthquake and they bought a myriad of merchandise to give to us kids. Um, I met Mark McGuire. Jose Canseco was an absolute asshole. Uh, Ricky Henderson came to the batting cages in Antioch. That's where he worked out that we had on Somersville Road. I was mm-hmm. born and bred green and gold. Guess what? They're leaving. <laughs> and I am not going to be following them to Vegas, which leaves me with an interesting choice. Now, everybody's like, you're a Giants fan, right? Hell no. Fuck the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> All San Francisco fans are bandwagon anyway. They show up and then they don't. You know, they... When the team's winning, they're there in the stadium to buy their sushi, but they're not there during the hard years. Okay, I'll go to a stadium where there's only 4,000 of us. Um, so will I have a baseball team after the A's leave me next year? I don't know. But if so, being that they leave me, I can choose another team. I just don't know if it'll happen. Now the answer you've all been waiting for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as the Jets, because I'll start with that. Um I have too many scars to get surgery, um, <laughs> is how I put it. Once you choose your team, and I, I think you have a, up until the age of 13 to make your final decision. I, I read a book mm-hmm. called Rules for Sports Fans, and that was one of the rules. Like You have to choose your team by 13. Um, I think that's fair. And I think you stick with it because you always have that. You don't want to be that guy who changes the year before they win a championship. Like that's the shittiest <laughs> feeling in the world. And I think it's, it's more, it's more fun to, to, to show loyalty. Cause, cause it's such a fickle thing with a lot of, like you mentioned the 49ers as someone who lives in the new England area, Boston was never a football town until the Patriots started winning. It was a distant third. There was the Celtics there were the Red Sox, a cliff, and then there were the Patriots. Once the Patriots became the Patriots was the only time where people actually went to fucking Foxborough to watch games. Uh, that franchise was in the crapper during the 80s. They had a good run with Bledsoe and Parcells, but it wasn't until Belichick and Brady 
that the Patriot Empire grew. And I think it's very telling that a lot of people are jumping ship now that the Patriots suck. Um, oh no, two bad seasons. Yeah, you've had two bad seasons. <laughs> Wake up, kid. Kiss <laughs> my ass. Like, I, um, <laughs> look at Lions fans. Yeah, like, look at Lions fans, look at Browns fans, us Jet fans. You, you know, it, it, um, People, people forget that the Patriots were the team that the Bears just kicked the total ass of back in 1985. Yeah, and they lost. You they, know, when they had Eason as their fucking quarterback of all people. Yeah, they, you know, they lost Brett Favre's one Super Bowl was against the Patriots. Yeah. But if yeah. it wasn't for Desmond Howard, he wouldn't even have a Super Bowl ring. So let's put yeah. that out there. Um, but, but yeah, like if you ask me, like, would I ever root for the Giants? No. Um, because there is a thing with New York. Like, New York sports, is, it's its own thing. It is. And I don't think I'm being facetious. It is the most vocal sports fan base in the world. Oh, you're you're definitely right about Any that. Any sport, football, mm-hmm. Jet fans and Giant fans, we can coexist. I married one, so I am proof it works. But <laughs> you know, you will never see me wear an Eli Manning jersey. You, just like you will never see my husband wearing a Darrell Revis jersey. It just won't happen. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but like asking me to put on a dolphin jersey is like asking me to cover myself with gasoline and light a match. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you, you stick with your team and baseball, it's worse. Like Yankee and Met fans. Oh, that God. is a, yeah. that, that is true resentment. Yeah. I'm an, I'm a Met fan myself. Man, so. yeah. And there tends to be like, you know, groups. There's the Yankee fan. Mm-hmm. There's the Yankee giant Nick Ranger fan. There's that group. You know, the pristine franchises. And then there's the people like myself who root for the Jets, the Mets, the Islanders, and I could give two fucks about basketball, so I just watch. Uh, like if you, There's a Sharks fan who's never tasted the cup. Yeah, believe me, I know. Yeah, like, you know, and I, I love hockey, but I'm not, I'm not a fanatic. Because my thing with basketball is just I can't watch it anymore. I'm, I don't want to watch a fucking three-point contest for 60 minutes. No. Basketball. No. I, I was a huge basketball fan myself, and I have fallen off in the last, I would say, about six, seven years. Like, I, I, I used to watch a lot of it. I don't I don't think I watch more than, like, maybe maybe two games a year, if that. Yeah. I want to watch people run up and down a court and flop. I'll watch soccer. <laughs> and that ain't gonna happen either. Yeah, and the physicality is just so. I mean, we talk about how sanitized the NFL has been, and that's a fair argument. Basketball is even worse. Um, yeah, it's bad. You know, mm-hmm. and, and like me as a New York, like gone are the days of Patrick. Like the Patrick Ewing Knicks were really physical. Um, it, you don't have physical teams anymore. No, and you know, if it wasn't for Michael Jordan, I think the Knicks would have been the the team of the nineties. Um, yeah, but they always kept good. running into the Bulls. Uh, that's a good Jordan, call. I mean, we grew up watching Jordan come to prominence and changing basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, we watched it become what it was in that era. So, but it's also at that point, I don't want to hear anybody talk about who's better than Jordan because it's oh, not. God, a, it's I don't want to hear about Kobe. No, I don't want to hear about LeBron. It's a giant fucking step down to second place. Everybody. Um. Well, and you also have people who argue like Kareem is the greatest player of all time, or yeah. you know, I, I think there's. Jordan is the one who has the clearest path to the argument victory because uh, it's never going to end. But I, I'm very lucky that I've grown up to watch what you could say the greatest player of all time in every sport. I watched Tom Brady. I watched Michael Jordan. I watched Tiger Woods. 
I, I, I was, I'm a little too young for Gretzky. Um, but like, uh, Serena Williams, you know, if you're a tennis fan, you know, we've gotten to see like the great, some of the great, arguably the greatest player in every sport outside of like boxing, because boxing is nowhere near what it used to be. No, but oh, yeah, but to, but to go back to football, you know, if you're asking me as a Jet fan, would I ever jump ship? I just can't, you know, I have too much invested, which is not a good thing in and of its own right. Um, but you know, I just, you, you love your team and you stand by your team. And I think if you jump ship, then you have, you will not, you will not be thrown a life preserver to come back. You mentioned the fact that East Coast fans are way more vocal. I mean, look at the, when you watch a Chargers game, how many Chargers fans are in those fucking, those crowds I mean, when they play in LA? You know, I still think, uh, Jen's team, the Raiders, is their, is the favorite team of LA. They never, to this they day. never should have left Oakland. Yeah. They never, no. it's the, the Raider brand is still, one of, I would say, one of the five most recognizable brands in sports. Absolutely. And so I, I think you're absolutely right that, you know, the, the East Coast, they do stay loyal. And look, the reason why I'm a Mets and Giants fan is because that was the year, the year I started watching sports was the year they both won their respective series. You know, the Giants won the Super Bowl that year and the Mets won the World Series that year in 1986. That, that was, and I, and I've stuck by them. Um, it's just, it's, but, you know, people always tell me all the time, well, you live out in California. I mean, me and Adam used to have these discussions. Why are you, why are you a fucking Mets fan of all things? It's just like, that's just what I, that was the year I, I started loving sports. And, you know, as much as I joke about it, I have remained loyal. Although there are times when, you know, they have the highest payroll and they become the, they're amongst the bottom teams of the league. It's just, it gets, it can get really frustrating. Uh, so, uh, I, I do think that the fact that sports has become, you know, like like football's rules have become so fucking. No one knows what the hell to do in football anymore. No, it's so I okay. have made so I have made the argument for years that they are being taught more how to not hit than to actually hit, and so it's made players so like not know how how to approach what they're doing. They are just uh, five years away from having you know a flag football fucking uh, Olympic sport, and I think we're next going year. that direction. Next year. Next year, yeah. I think we're it going that in the, direction in the NFL, too. It is in the Olympics next year, flag yeah. football. Well, I think this is the perfect I mean, year for them to do it when you look at the amount of starter quarterbacks that have gone down. Oh, God. And it's hurt, well, it's hurt the product. I mean, you cannot. Well, that's the thing, though, Matt. They have sanitized the rules so much, but yet here the football, the, the quarterbacks are still going down. So they have protected them to the point of insanity, yet – it's not working because they are still falling. So what would have happened if they had not changed anything? Yeah. Nothing. And it's a lot of, they're almost all exclusively lower body injuries because you cannot yeah. hit the yeah. quarterback above the waist anymore and carry mm. your full body weight because they'll flag you. So I don't think it's a cause, a correlation or a coincidence that so many lower body injuries have happened. I mean, uh, I'm not going to say Aaron Rodgers put a hex on everybody, but that when that happened, I'm like, this is not going to be the first one to fall. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's an absolute shame. I mean, look at wide receivers; they're not even they're taught to just to play to draw a flag. Mm-hmm. You know, That's... you have OCs who draw up plays to get penalties when they need those yards. It's mm-hmm. it, it's a shame what the game is. I, I don't want to say I hate it. It's just yeah, it's watching the way some of it plays is is really disappointing. 
I just think the days of, you know, defenders being legitimately feared are gone. Uh, you will never see yeah. a Reggie White or, nope. um, you know, a Lawrence Taylor, or a Warren Sapp. You know, those guys when they step on the field. Ray Lewis. Yeah, yeah, Ray Lewis. I mean, the last one we had was Aaron Donald, but he's like in his 30s now, so he doesn't have a whole lot left. Um and in an era where it's so pass heavy, makes me so happy as a Jet fan that Sauce Gardner exists because he's the most hated <laughs> player now because he actually yeah, plays yeah. corner the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like that position is impossible to play nowadays in the NFL. Um, with the way yep. wide receivers are protected and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yep. one more sports question, Matt: Is this the most disappointing Jet season of your lifetime? There's a million of those. What do you, where the fuck do you want me to start? Uh, so I would say second. Number one will always be the 98-99 year where Vinny Testaverde tore his Achilles in the first week. Because that was coming oh, yeah. off the AFC title game. Where the year before, I think it was the best Jets team that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, and, of course, all the expectations were that they would repeat and, you know, at minimum get to the Super Bowl. And it was all gone the moment Vinny got hurt. Uh, not entirely, mm-hmm. because if you remember, they finished nine and eight. But if Parcells made the quarterback change earlier, boy, does that sound familiar, huh? Um, <laughs> they would have probably <laughs> snuck into the playoffs, and you never know. Like, you get into the dance, you never know. I mean, Mark Sanchez won road playoff games against Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Anything could fucking happen. They're dirty. Um, this year is probably second because of the, the Aaron Rodgers hype. Um, and the way that, like, I have never heard MetLife Stadium that quiet. Because uh, everybody knew. I I was watching the game and I knew it. Um, and I think that... You know what, man? Thing- we watched that game and the way that crowd was just in... Uh, just so uproarious when he came out with that flag and it was such a great set of moments and we knew that the season was just going to take off. But we... Me, guys, the three of us said it in a fucking thread when we were talking about the signing. What happens if he goes down? You know, like, and and then it happened, and I was like, and then me and Jen just kind of looked at each other like, oh, God, shit's flying in Matt's house right now. I couldn't, no, but that's the thing. I couldn't do anything. I was just, like, numb. It, it was stunning. Yeah. Um, and I think things would have been a lot different as far as expectations if they lost that game. Um. Because mm-hmm. people would have said, oh, what, what do you yeah. expect? Aaron Rodgers went down, sucked the life out of the team. Uh, but you cannot you cannot win that game and then go 3-3 three and three after a gauntlet of a schedule, which every, people said they were going to be 3-3 three and three with Aaron Rodgers, let alone without. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for things to have happened the way they have, I think that is why this season is as disappointing as it is and why I, I put a lot of the blame on the GM. Uh, I think he has two years in a row, he has flushed it down the crapper because he refused to properly address the quarterback position. He did it with Aaron Rodgers, but that wasn't enough. Um, and I don't trust them next year. I, I have no confidence. Um, so I will I will leave it at that for the actual offseason when I do my deep dive into how to save this goddamn franchise because I feel like I know more than Woody Johnson and Joe Douglas combined. <laughs> And I'm not blaming Aaron Rodgers, people. I'm sorry. He got hurt. What? Do you, what? Do you, what is he going to do? Like, but at the same time, he needs to shut the fuck up. He was around every single week, blabbing away with this bullshit. 
he needed to just stay away, but he can't. He's on that goddamn McAfee show, and he causes shit every single time he's on there. That's the thing. He could have stayed with the team, which he's still done, which is good, but not done all the media bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, oh, one more sports question. I'm sorry, because we can all answer this. God, good lord, it's become sports talk all of a sudden. What what team in any sport do you hate the most? 49ers. Uh, the Eagles are a close second. Sorry, Adam. Oof, I gotta think. Because football, it's obvious. It's not the Patriots. Because you, you, you would think it's the Patriots as a Jet fan, but I can't bring myself to hate them the way I detest the Dolphins. The Bills? Oh, I th- oh Dolphins. I hate the Dolphins. Like, I see that teal jersey, I see red. Because I, I think their fans are obnoxious. They haven't won a playoff game since 2000. Uh, but they act like they're such hot shit. And their quarterback is one concussion away from being retired. They, they, As Colin Coward said, they are the speedboat of the NFL. They're pretty to look at. They're fast. They're fun. But the minute they get punched in the mouth, they're going to collapse like a $10 suit in the ring. I can't wait to see Baltimore beat the shit out of them in the playoffs. Or Buffalo. Buffalo looks like they got their shit together. I don't trust them to win a Super Bowl, but... Nope, they do until they don't. All right, my, mine's easy. Uh, Cowboys. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, division, division, conference, but also the whole joke about, you know, them boys, it's them year. You got the, you got an owner who thinks that he is the GM and the coach and the quarterback and your D-back. Like, he, your biggest problem is your owner who has all the resources in the world to make that the best team. And you don't have the the wherewithal to move on from your underperforming quarterbacks. It's just, uh, fuck the Cowboys. So I, Guaranteed Christmas games. Yeah, like national. Thanksgiving games. I am sick of that. It's the ultimate bandwagon franchise. I know, Garrett, you said the Niners. I think it's the Cowboys, yeah. but exclusively because of the 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. As far as that, like, because it's very easy, like, the, a division opponent is your default example. But I have, I have always had a hatred for the Steelers. Part of it is because of, <laughs> I, I have utter disdain for Ben Roethlisberger as a person. Um, but yeah. also, the Jets and Steelers in the playoffs, it never bodes well for the Jets. Um, because there was the 04 championship game where Doug Bryant missed that kick. Uh, there was an AFC title game in Pittsburgh where Antonio Brown caught a pass to end the game. And if the Jets shoot, showed up in the first half, I think they would have won and beaten the Packers in the Super Bowl. So I've always, I've always not liked the Steelers, and, and so many of their players are tool bags. Antonio Brown, they are obviously Roethlisberger. Yeah. I know Le'Veon Bell was a Jet, but he didn't do shit. Um, yeah, it's um, my sister went to school in Pittsburgh. And um, the, she said, everybody there is just all about Steelers, and they don't call them the Steelers the way they talk. They call it the they call them the Stillers. So she knows them as the Pittsburgh Stillers, and uh, that's that that's how they're known 
out in Pittsburgh. And yeah, you're right. Like that whole franchise is just there, there's something just completely unlikable about him. Despite the fact I don't think it's a you know Mike Tomlin kind of seems like a decent oh, dude. Yeah, like it's a you, it's a well run you know. organization. That's the thing. Yeah, they, they don't in-house. they don't have a lot of they, if there's one thing they have it's consistent. They, they have consistency. It's the one thing they've always had. Yeah, they they don't make you know quick quick decisions lightly. Um, but, but I'm trying to think, like, are there teams, like, do people hate the Chargers or do, do people hate teams that Jen does? Well, outside of like division, I think the Chiefs have become the new Patriots where people just hate them outside of, uh, cause it's going that way this yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I'm full anti Chiefs. Watching the fall of Mahomes has been great. Uh, you know, Tom Brady's sitting there watching that, just laughing his ass off, going, now you know how he's I la- felt those laughing. last couple yeah. of years in the Wiglets. Yeah. I don't know. Is it the Taylor Swift thing, though? Was that the one thing that just no, turned it I, over I the it's, edge? It's a combination. You know? It's that everybody hates the it team that keeps winning. I, I think anytime you yeah. win, it's going to it's gonna bring jealousy out of some people, which is, I think that's inherent in any sport. But you add in the Taylor Swift thing. The fact that they get national games, the fact that you have Mahomes bitching about the refs, considering how many games they've benefited from calls. The Travis Kelsey just comes off as a douche. Um, I, yeah. I think there's a lot of things that are not in the Chiefs. And Mahomes' wife. That's an, anytime you have a, so, uh, oh, yeah. a famous person and their significant other gets involved, it usually does not end well. See Zach Wilson yeah. and his mother as an example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that, that. Tommy DeVito and his age. Oh, my God. I, can, can, I, can I just say Tommy I'm not DeVito a giant his fan? mother living at home. Uh, Christian said, I'm so happy that the chicken cutlet shit is done with. Yeah. Like, because the difference between that and Lynn's sanity, Jeremy Lynn was putting up like 40 points a game. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy DeVito yeah. was like winning by the skin of his teeth. And he, it's a exactly. perfect example of when you, when you do nothing on the group project but still get an A. <laughs> but yeah, so so that that's kind of the sports uh sports section. Oh wait, no, there is one more. I'm sorry. Jesus. Oh my god. Oh, this is a tough one. What what is what is the moment that made you angriest as a sports fan? Aside from a loss. Ooh. Alright, so I, I got I got mine. Uh th- this one is so look, there's a lot of bad jet moments. In fact, I have made it my New Year's resolution to do top ten most painful moments as a Jet fan. Uh, <laughs> You're nuts. Because there, there's a lot, like, and, I, and I'm not even sixty years old. Like I don't have the the, the catalog that <laughs> yeah. a lot of other people do that have been Jet fans, you know, for, for for so long. So I tried to think of what what moment did I just lose my shit, and I have two: the Adam Gase hire. Because Jet fans, we have a reputation for being moronic sometimes. But everyone knew mm-hmm. that was a bad hire. And we were proven right. So the only... At the recommendation of Peyton Manning. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> look, I hate Peyton Manning too, because remember, he turned down the Jets. Uh, he stayed yeah. in college. He stayed in school another year. And, you know, we lost to him in a couple playoff games. But remember, we beat him 41 to nothing once in the playoffs. Uh, so I, I went with a player trade. Uh, the Revis trade upset me because not only is he the greatest corner I've ever seen in my life, he might be the greatest jet. I like when he was at his peak, there was nobody better. And to trade him away for next to nothing 
And then I got to watch him win a Super Bowl with the fucking Patriots. Yeah. Uh, that made me the most upset. Like, you know, there's been a lot of, like, trades, you know, with the Jets and, um, you know, bad player acquisitions. I mean, the, the, the Jets in free agency is just a... It's it's got as bad of a following as as you could find. I mean, from fucking Trumaine Johnson to Le'Veon Bell. I mean, this is just the last five years, let alone my life. So I would say the Revis trade made me the most. I was like, what are you doing? Like that? There are certain players that should be, you know, your your team for life. I think that was one of the the ones that he should have been a Jet forever. Hmm. Adam, all right. I got. I'm. I'm going to have two. Neither one of them are going to be football. Um, and come on to the plate. Freaking the walk off or the home run against Dennis Eckersley, World Series. <laughs> Freaking Dodgers. Oh my God! Best closer at that point in baseball, and that turned the tide, and the A's went on to lose the series. World Series and that that freaking um that limp home run trot around freaking field that they still show when they're doing clips it just that that yeah that burns me and also the San Jose Sharks being up three nothing in the conference finals finally about to go to the Stanley Cup. And they lose in triple overtime. Yep. And then they lose the next three as well. Mm-hmm. To be up three nothing in the finals. Lose in triple overtime. I was up until one thirty in the morning <laughs> watching that game and I had to be at work at five the <laughs> next day. I still went to work. But I just it is emblematic of the Sharks never been getting to play for the Cup. And just, I have seen the San Jose Sharks since before they built the Shark Tank in San Jose when they were playing in the Cow Palace in San Francisco and made that into a rink while they were building the others. And it's just, watching the year that your team was going to win it all, I mean, that was even more heartbreaking than watching the freaking Golden Knights out of nowhere, their first year in the league, finding a way to beat the Sharks and then going on to win. So, yeah, yeah, I've, I've had some heartbreak. Garrett? <sighs> All right, I have two as well. Uh, number one, I'm just going to say a name and everyone will know why. Deshaun Watson, that's my number one. Um, <laughs> that was just, God, so I was so pissed. I was. I saw it. I was visiting my mom at the time. We were at a casino together, and I, I was. And the game was on, and I was at a machine, and that return happened, and I basically took my glass, slammed it against the machine, broke it. <laughs> I was so pissed. Uh, my other one is, uh, I believe it was '94, um, and it was. Lawrence Taylor's last year with the New York Giants. And they were in the playoffs against, guess who? The San Francisco 49ers. And they were up by, I want to say, 20 points. And they lost it on a field goal at the end. And Adam knows we went to school in the Bay Area. We um, we were surrounded by giant, by 49ers and Raiders fans and everything in between. 
I went to school the next day and just heard it from every single fucking angle. How about those giants? Huh? How about, I mean, every single fucking angle. And um, that was the most heartbreaking. And then to have to see those assholes have go to the Super Bowl, um, it was just I, I hated it. So, yeah, those were my those were my two. Yeah, and on that note, because people ask me, is the butt fumble the worst moment for you as a Jet fan? It's not even in my top ten, and here's why. I was gonna say uh, I don't. I, w- I wouldn't think the it game would be. was already out of hand. Um, so I actually have my top ten. I'm gonna rattle these off real quick. The Revis top ten because yeah, I I had planned this. I'm gonna look at the date I wrote this. <laughs> I wrote this on June 22nd, so the season hadn't even started oh, yet, wow. and I was already thinking misery. All right, Revis trade, Adam Gase hired. Uh, 2015 Buffalo game where Rex Ryan, it was winning your end against Rex Ryan and the Bills. And that was the game I knew Todd Bowles did not know what he was doing. And this was year one. Uh, the, the, the 2004 <laughs> AFC playoff game at Pittsburgh, which I mentioned. Uh, 2011 AFC title game at Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> Vinny tearing his Achilles. Jets drafting in general. Like, that's its own category of, <laughs> of, of bad. Like, you look at their list of first-round draft busts. Yeah. It's insane. Vernon Golston, Kyle Wilson, uh, Johnny Lamb Jones, Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, uh, Kyle uh, Calvin Pryor, uh, Dean Milner. It's – these are just rattling off the top of my head. Like, it's – and fucking Christian Hackenberg, second round pick quarterback, guy never played a snap in the NFL. Uh, Eric Mangini craps the bed. That's literally what I called it. This was the this was the Seattle game where the playoffs were on the line, and the week after is when they lost to who else? Chad Pennington, ex Jet quarterback, now with the Dolphins. Uh, and last year's Patriot game, I was so mad watching that because I'm like. That was the game where I turned on Zach Wilson. I think that was my that was my breaking point. When you have negative four yards by halftime, I'm like, uh, you got to make a change. So, yeah, a lot a lot of pain in my lifetime as a Jet fan, and who knows, forty more years to come. All right, we got two movie questions, then we're gonna call it a day. No, we got to go over uh, our first couple. Oh, that that's right too. Re- uh, we're we'll talking about just well. the questions. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Question is, do you think we will ever enter an era where actors sell movies on name alone? I think we're I think we're exiting that era. I think we have a few right now, like on the actor's name. Such as? Yeah, I mean I think Tom Cruise. I think yeah, he but may be the Mission only Impossible didn't do that well. Not as well as they were thinking. No, but he still gets a movie made and puts it out based on on cruise. So I'm trying to think of like, you know, back in the day. Um, and I say back in the day, like not, I'm not talking, you know, Donna cinema. You think of the nineties and the eighties. Think of guys like Schwarzenegger. You think of Will Smith. You think of George Clooney, like legitimate movie stars. Didn't matter what they were in didn't matter if it was based on a pre-established property or an original movie like Predator or, you know, uh, Perfect Storm for Clooney. You know, people went to see those movies because of the actor involved. 
Like Will Smith, there was a 10-year run where people saw movies because it starred Will Smith. Hmm? Um, you know, that started with what? Bad Boys, Independence Day? And it lasted yeah. until... Summer of Will All Smith the way up for to a long I time. Am Legend. Like, you're talking about a decade run where Will Smith was like box office mm-hmm. gold. Uh, you know, he had his flop with like Wild Wild West, but everybody has those. You know, Schwarzenegger didn't make... If Schwarzenegger made nothing but hits, he would be the greatest actor of all time, but he's not. Um, nowadays, it's... Uh, I mean, another one, Harrison Ford. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. not, I'm not talking Star Wars Indiana Jones, like Presumed Innocent, The Fugitive, uh, Regarding Henry. What lies beneath? Yeah, Regarding Henry. Um, you know, not always great movies, but he was a name that drew people to the theater. Nowadays, you know, Tom Cruise, I think we're seeing the end of it. Looking at, yeah, uh, looking at Mission Impossible, looking at The Mummy. I mean, that movie tanked the franchise before it even started. And I thought that was going to be a surefire success with Tom Cruise. Uh, Will Smith is not what he needs to be um, in multiple ways. Looking at, you know, the thing is, there's just not a lot of true movie stars left as far as people that were not already big in the 90s, like Leo doesn't count anymore. Brad Pitt doesn't count anymore. Um, I, I like to think of Robert Downey Jr. as a movie star, but really that's only because <laughs> of his association. He built Marvel, but he was also aided by that that franchise. Because um, he would not have made movies like The Judge or Doolittle without the Iron Man success justifying it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think, and that brings up the point I was going to do is I don't think studios also have any interest in getting a an actor, an actress to be the face of them or to make an actor, or actress be something. I think the only thing that studios want and writers is they want an IP that they can keep selling because then you could put anybody in the mask, Iron Man, Batman. Like it's about IP. It's not about a name selling it anymore. And that's a shame. I'm trying to think of people because like they've tried with Chris Hemsworth. Um, yeah. I was, I was just about to say tried, him. But... They, they've, they've tried putting him in every single fucking franchise, including Mad Max, which he's going to be in this year. Like it, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, how I'm, many I'm, I'm excited he's... to see him in that. Um, yeah. Which I haven't said about a lot of his movies. Um, one of us. But you know, like, <laughs> Well, you're not doing that series with us. Yeah, so. and, uh, you know, I feel like Mark Wahlberg. They tried a lot. Um, yeah, because he had a bunch. They tried. The, he had a bunch of leading movies. The Rock. They tried. The The Rock may have been the closest for a little while, and at least they were cheap action movies. And then they went off a cliff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think The Rock is the closest we've gotten, but even that had its limits with Skyscraper, where people thought they. Mm-hmm. That him alone would sell the movie, but you can't you can't outsell a dumb premise. Um, mm-hmm. They sold that one to Garrett on Alexander Daddario being. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was San Andreas. <laughs> That's the reason I saw. Oh, okay. Same See, film. The Rock made so many <laughs> shitty movies; they just blend together. Yeah, she was in uh, San Andreas. Yeah, she was in San Andreas. Yeah, San Andreas, Skyscraper, Rampage, uh, yeah. Jungle mm-hmm. Cruise. Uh, I thought Jungle Cruise Which was wasn't crazy. horrible. Um, yeah, that was that was sweeter than I, I thought. Mean, and, but I'll like, watch it. Junk Cruise, like, there's no women that are legit movie stars anymore, and it's sad to say. Um, 
Like you don't have the not you don't the, have the Julia the Roberts of now or a a Meg Ryan or a, even a Sharon Stone. I mean, she's so Margot Robbie yeah. is the closest, but Margot Robbie, like every time they she does something major, there seems like there's just as many articles talking about why she's not, and that's really a shame. I appreciate that she's like, I'm creating a production company to make the movies for myself since people won't keep putting me in movies, even though I'm making them money. Yeah, she is the closest. I mean, yeah, she is. Um, but she has to she has to produce them in order to get them made, though. That's yeah. The problem. And it's, you know, Sandra Bullock, you know, had to do that, you know. And, yeah. You know, she damn hit because of it. I mean, you know, like Nicole Kidman was another big one back in the day. Um uh, it, it's just a, it's a different world. Like you know, IP sells movies before a star does. Like I think if you you could have cast anybody as like I'm trying trying to think of like a like Uncharted. You could have cast anybody, and that movie would have made money. But they felt like they had to get big names, so they got Tom Holland and Marky Mark. Um, yeah, and I'm sort of over Tom Holland at this point. I'm sorry, I like him as Spider Man, but Nothing else I've seen him in outside of The Impossible when he was, like, 13 um, Mm -hmm. has really impressed me. I don't think he has a lot of range. I really don't. I don't either. Um, And, look, you can say the same thing about Tobey Maguire because of Spider-Man. But, like, you know, I always thought Andrew Garfield could be a movie star because he, good-looking guy, can sing, he's funny. I mean, look, Zac Efron, if there was a guy who should have been a big movie star, uh, like a new George Clooney, he fits that mold. Um, Once they make a Wolverine, maybe he will. <laughs> I mean, look, you, know, <laughs> you mentioned Hugh Jackman. Uh, I think he's a movie star. Um, but yeah. remember, he tried with Van Helsing. And that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he. Oh, that one's fun. Oh, God, that movie's fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did a commentary is, for that. And I, I was like, it's... wow, this is so much worse than I remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think we're ever going to see that. Um, it's it's just filmmaking, especially in modern mainstream cinema, it's so different now than even 20 years ago. Because um, look at the big movies that came out in the early 2000s. Lord of the Rings. No huge names. Um, mm-hmm. People who were known, but it was sold on the spectacle. And the the property, uh, you had groundbreaking stuff like Gollum. Uh, you look at Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean that made Johnny Depp a movie star in a way that he was not. He was respected; people knew who he was. You know, I, I mean, Johnny Depp was one. He was a big star. Like he yeah. had, it seemed like he had a new movie out every year, every summer. Um, which I think of uh, you know early to that, like The Matrix. Uh, is Keanu Reeves a movie star? I I think. I think I think his properties yes, are not because of him but, because but, I said John but, Wick you know those movies work because of him but I also think like if you got um I don't know if Statham played John Wick I still think those movies would be successful because they're really well made do you though yeah. I think the Keanu Reeves part is part of his charm I, I think it is because he's think- got that you know he's no longer um because I, I finally saw the new Bill and Ted movie and, and oh, it was okay. distracting watching him because I don't think Keanu Reeves can play that anymore. Like that, that's yeah, not, that's yeah. not who he is. Um, mm-hmm. He's shifted because remember 
when Bill and Ted came out, that's all he was playing. Uh, that's all he was playing, yeah, Parenthood. Uh, River's yeah. Edge. Um, mm-hmm. Like People thought that's all he could do until the until in the Matrix, uh, where he became the action star. And he had movies like Constantine and uh, Chain Reaction. Action. Like, he was in a lot of big movies, but it wasn't until John Wick where he, like, it's, it's the... Yeah, they tried with him, and then, well, the way he became an action star was with Speed. Yeah. That's when people were like, okay, because he plays second fiddle to Patrick... Swayze. Uh, Patrick Swayze, yeah, in Point Break, and they were like, okay, he can do this, and then Speed came out the following year, and they are like, okay, maybe we can do something with this guy, and then they tried with Chain Reaction, and that completely flopped, and... You know, they weren't sure what to do with them. And then they played up to his persona with the Matrix, and that's what made it yeah, work. And the Matrix also got um, aided by cutting edge technology. Yeah, yeah. There was, it, was the, it was the talk of the town. Yeah, sure. if you remember, the Will Smith Star was Wars came out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and imagine, yeah. like, that Thank movie's God already a cultural it. phenomenon. Like, that movie would have been maybe the highest grossing movie of, outside of Phantom Menace. Because um, remember. I don't. No. Uh, I don't know if Will Smith would have been as likable. No, no, but I'm saying he would have drawn eyes. Um, yeah, because right. Right. remember it was going to be Will Smith and Val Kilmer uh, yep. as Morpheus, a uh, very different world. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, action stars seemed like the easiest way to make big names: Schwarzenegger, Stallone, uh, Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Took... Once Die Hard came out, he was a bona fide movie star. Um, yeah. He did different genres. Not, I mean, a lot of the movies he made were crap that were not action movies, like. Uh, like uh, Color of Night and uh, I mean, look, Hudson I love Death Becomes oh. Her, but I'm one of the few people who loves that movie. Um, I I like that movie too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, everybody, a Robert Zemeckis movie I like. I know, shocking. <laughs> but nowadays, you know, it's like Chris Pratt. I don't think of him as a movie star. I don't think of yeah. Oh. I've always said Chris Pine should have been one, but it's just like he never had the right projects. Um. Doesn't he doesn't command enough? He elevates. He doesn't command. That's, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's a fair. Means. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, long long winded way to answer. I mean, because like you look at all the Marvel people, like Chris Evans has not had a hit outside of Captain America. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel bad because I like him as a person. He seems like an awesome guy to talk to, and um, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo are actors. Actors first. Um, and I think even Mark Ruffalo looks like he's done with Hulk. Like, I think he can give two shits at this point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so long-winded way to say that I don't think you're ever going to see an era where movies are sold on the star first. Um, so, uh, two more questions, then we'll get into our, our retros for the year. Uh, this is a question from Matt, but Garrett and Adam can chime in as well. Why do you like Schwarzenegger so much? <laughs> so, so this came up because we did Batman and Robin. I talked about how much I love Schwarzenegger, and we we did we did the Terminator retro. That was the first one Garrett and I ever did. And mm-hmm. the reason why Schwarzenegger he is the ultimate unicorn. There, there's nothing else like him. When you look at his career trajectory, what he started out as versus, like you never thought a bodybuilder barely spoke English when he came over, would become the biggest movie star of his time. Like, it's almost undeniable that he was the biggest star, literally and figuratively. And you look at, uh, you know, 
when I think of Schwarzenegger, I think of just very interesting movies. Like there, even his bad movies, and there are plenty. There Oof. are interesting components to them, um, but his best movies are some of the best genre films of that period. Look at the first two Terminator movies. Like when he connects with James Cameron, he's great. Um, outside of like, that, you, you like Predator. You like I, Predator a lot. I do like Predator. You're right. That that is that is an outlier, but that's not because I of think him. he elevates it though. Like it's, um, he, he like at the end when he looks legitimately exhausted because he was. Um, I think like if you're asking me like what movie like. Outside of Terminator, what movie would I tell people to explain why Schwarzenegger was so big? It's Total Recall. Because uh, it's insane. It's action-packed. It's violent as all hell. It's got nudity, which, you know, a lot of Schwarzenegger movies did have. You know, they were a lot more promiscuous back then. Uh, and I just think him and Paul Verhoeven are such a perfect mix because they, they're both foreigners. But they made American movies together. Yeah. That it's a it's a it's a commentary on American cinema. That's what Verhoeven's movies are. Um, yeah, Verhoeven wanted him for for the Robocop. Yeah, actually, and remember, too. Total Recall was originally going to be. This is insane. Uh, Richard Richard yeah. Dreyfus. Uh, yeah, in a, a David Cronenberg directed Total Recall. Mm-hmm. But Schwarzenegger also was one of the most passionate people. Like Total Recall was a movie he wanted to make. Like, he wanted the rights to that story, and he, you know, I think it's one of his best performances. Look, he's not a great actor, okay? I feel about Schwarzenegger the way my, my our our, fam, our fathers felt about John Wayne. Like, he is, it's, it's that where it's like, yeah, he's cool, but he's not a good actor, but he has a couple really good projects. Um, His story... Is what sells him. I, I, I think if people watch that documentary that Adam mentioned earlier, there's this dude had no reason whatsoever to become as successful as he did in America. Zero. He was given every single stumbling block you could get. He has an accent. He's from a foreign foreign country. He's way too big to be a freaking viable movie star. His his delivery was terrible. Like there was no reason this dude should have become a movie star. Yet he became the biggest action star there ever was. And I I I think that's really attributed to his hard work. I think that's attributed to you know the way he carried himself in press and things. And I, I, but when you watch his roles, you watch his delivery of lines and things. <laughs> you watch a lot of his, you know, early work like Raw Deal oh, and God, that kind yeah. of bullshit. Like he is terrible. Oh, yeah, like he is terrible. <laughs> um, but but I I think the other thing is that he 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 always knew to make fun of himself. Like I never thought he was like Bruce Willis where he took himself ultra seriously. Um, because he made movies like Kindergarten Cop and. Um, you know, Twins is a comedy. True Lies is really funny. Um, he made crap like Jingle All the Way, but it's uh, like, look, I don't like that movie whatsoever. But um, yeah, he he's got one of the most. Me and Adam saw that in theaters too, by yeah, the way. <laughs> but he's got one of the most complicated legacies you'll ever. And I think also he's admitted his mistakes in his personal life. And uh, look, Total Recall is almost a biography because. That movie predicted he'd leave his blonde wife for a Hispanic housemaid. 
Uh, and by the way, Total Recall has like, you know, my favorite, cause Schwarzenegger has the one-liners. Like there's a, there's a YouTube video where it's like his 150 greatest one-liners in the span of 10 minutes. Has my favorite line after he shoots Sharon Stone, he goes, consider them a divorce. <laughs> like, um, and, and by the way, like, you know, uh, we'll talk about the Expendables movies at some point, but those are not going to be discussed until we talk about the, the movies that made them big stars to warrant that movie. Um, so, you know, we are going to redo Predator at some point because I guarantee you there will be a Prey sequel at some point. Um, you know, obviously Stallone has Rocky. Bruce Willis has Die Hard. I don't know if we'll do the Transporter movies with Statham. I wouldn't mind doing that. Most. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, Schwarzenegger is one of a kind. There, you will never see anything like him again. And if I have to hear one more person compare The Rock to him, I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah. <laughs> I say, and I'll say I grew up watching, you know, 80s action movies. Predator, I mentioned it when we discussed that. Like, I, I freaking adore that movie. I'd love the creature. So him doing that. Um, Total Recall, a freaking blast. Uh, the Running Man, we're going to discuss it eventually. Oh, yeah. But, you know, there's something there. So, yeah, that 80s cheese, you know, that was like the R-rated action you could watch with your dad. And there was something really cool about that. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and, you know, Predator... The greatest quote I ever heard was, it's the movie your dad rented because he thought it was Commando. <laughs> Which, you know, is, that's also up there oh. with Total Recall as far as, like, peak Schwarzenegger, like, everything he stood for. Because uh, that movie's mm-hmm. awful. Uh, but it's so quotable. Yeah. I mean, he's made a lot of crap. One day, I'll get around to Last Action Hero, but I was old enough to even know I ain't watching this one. Um, but he's Arnold. Yeah. You know, and he's older. He's almost died on us a few times at this point. And it's going to be amazing to see what his legacy looks like when he does go. Yeah, I mean, the documentary on Netflix, it's a three-part documentary that came out last year or this year. It's worth watching. Um, Yep. You know, obviously, I mean, he's got the, he's got a whole second act with his political career. Um, And then he came back to make movies, which none of them have really been great. Um. But he made a movie like Maggie, which he I never thought he'd make a movie like that. Um, he does seem to be making some like artsy, personal type stuff like that. And I admire him for that. Getting stuff made that I don't think would have been made. But but he sort of got Ric Flair thing where I'm like, all right, can we leave the Terminator in the fuck alone, boys? <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of which, we will redo that series at some point because before I die, it will be rebooted at least another six times. And, and to answer your question about Last Action Hero, I like that movie except for one thing. I hate the kid in that movie. Oh my god! Uh, we'll be we we'll be just asking him when we get to Lawnmower Man. Oh, he's in that. <laughs> yeah, he, oh, yeah. God. He is. Uh, oh, that is that kid. Yeah. yeah, he's in both of them. Like he's in the second one too, right? Yeah. Oh great! Yeah. I can continue to put off watching those movies. And, and he's got the douche, douche canoe long hair, too. So <laughs> two things you hate. All right. Well, last one before we get to the unveiling the the um, some of the retros to start off the year. What are your top five favorite franchises of all time? Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. And is there let me ask this. Is there any one all three of you share? Well, we'd have to figure that out. Um, um, well, let's see. Star Wars is going to be my top five. 
Well, I'm not with you on that. I know Garrett is. No, you know what? I I, I would go with you if it, it just stopped at um, at Sith, but not now. Um, See, I got ignore Sith. I have grown. It wasn't this way initially. I have grown, and it's so much a part of my family now. I fucking adore Harry Potter. Oh, oh thanks, wow! Thanks for not recognizing my contribution. <laughs> and, th- and that was a big part of us doing that retrospective and going to the theme parks and the kids reading the books and just like, you know, and now us all playing the game. Like I adore Harry Potter and yeah, I'm sad. So, yep. So many of the franchises I have loved have been so diluted lately. Well, you just mentioned Star so Wars tough. for you. Like, I'm sure that's a big yeah, that's a big one, and we'll talk oh. about that when we get to the Disney set of movies. But, but goddamn, Indiana Jones would have been my number one if it wasn't for the movie that came out this last year. Um, goddamn, it, it it is really tough. I would have to really think about that. See, Batman, Rocky, maybe. Um, would Alien being your top five? Yeah, Alien. Alien, see, that's another one, though. Alien had, its first movie is in my top three of all time. Um, The second one, I mean, we're going to talk about this when we get to this series, but I love the main character of that series. Um, There has been some crap, but you know what? That's like Star Wars, though, where it's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you ignore the ones that are just really, really bad entries, and appreciate the ones you love. Indiana Jones is the same way. Yeah, you know? but the thing is, like Indiana Jones, I just think of Raiders. Um, it's it's one of those things yeah. where I there's one movie that I adore and think is one of the best films ever made, but I don't have a reverence for the sequels. Great. Um, you know, Garrett, you mentioned Star Wars. I, it's just not for me. Yeah. And we've got we, we've talked about that, which I think has turned into a remarkable series that we've done. Matt, would Pirates of the Caribbean be one no, for you? No, I have my five because I actually I really thought about this. Um, so I kept okay, I kept trilogies game. out because like the before trilogy would be in my top five. Um, but oh. but that's I I distinguish franchises from trilogies. Um, yeah. So James Bond is in my top five because. Nice. I mean, look, 60 years, and it's still relevant. They've rebooted it. They've new actors, but they've kept some staples. Like, it's just, there's nothing else like it. Uh, So Bond's in my top five. Harry Potter, obviously. Um, I exclusively view the the first eight films. I don't, I know Fantastic Beasts is there, but I, I sort of look at it as its own thing. So Harry Potter, obviously. Would would be there, and then it gets hard because you guys touched on this that there's a lot of franchises that have bad entries. In fact, almost every franchise outside of a select few, like the Toy Story movies, don't have something I would consider objectively bad. But even then, that's complicated because Lightyear is now a thing. Um, I wanted to pick a horror franchise. Uh, I put Nightmare on Elm Street and. I was thinking about that. The reason I did is because, yeah, there are some bad movies in that that series, Uh, as we talked about, Garrett, uh, quite in quite detail. But 
there, even in the bad movies, there's at least one really imaginative sequence. And there's always something just eerie about that idea. As goofy as Freddy got. Um, and you, you know, that's a franchise that's also reinvented itself a couple times. Um, and I would argue, you know, the best movie is not the first one. How many franchises can you say that about? Um, typically yeah. you peak with the one of the first, like if it's not the first one, it's typically the second one. Uh, mm-hmm. let alone the Dream Warriors, you know, I think that's the best one and that's the third. Um, you know, it's always, you know, cause I'm also not a Godzilla guy, so I couldn't include that. Um, I, I think, um, th- there's one that we'll talk about Star Trek. That's in my top five. But, mu- I was but much like Star that. Wars, it's one of those things where I have to distinguish the, the good from the bad. And then I got two more, but I'm going to save that for the actual retro announcements because two of them, my four and five, are going to be talked about. Well, so we'll start. So we'll start, so we'll start track. I mean, the cats that cats out of the bag. Yeah, we're. Definitely going to get to that because Matt is determined to get Star Trek talked about on these airwaves. God damn, it is so tough for me. I, you know, if I put everything that's come out recently out of my mind, I could definitely say Star Wars. Uh, I would definitely say Indiana Jones. I would definitely say Alien. Because I think as bad as those movies got, and I'm talking about the Sigourney Weaver ones, um, there were parts of them that I really, really liked. So I'm, I'm, and, and there were some great ideas in them. So I'm keeping that in there as well. Um, but after that, um, it'd be a toss up. We're going to discuss one later this year, obviously. Um, we might discuss two. So I want to keep my other two close to the best as well because I, I i do think that we're gonna we're gonna get to it eventually yeah and the thing about alien is that the one thing i have to give it credit for is that those first four movies they're all very distinct from one another you know you got, yes it, it, it was at a time where the directors really put their own stamps on the movie um regardless of if you liked it or not um and, and i know fincher argues alien 3 is not really his Mm-hmm. It is. But, it's it's fucking. It is so nihilistic. It is definitely his. He can he can try to um, he can try to unpossess it all he wants. The truth of the matter is, his future career would be built off exactly what he built in that movie. Oh, and and there is a part B. So, what is the one franchise that should never have become a franchise? So we only got we're only gonna pick one apiece. Because th- this this could take three hours to discuss it in of itself. Uh, can I say the obvious one? Go, Adam. Please don't hate me when I say this. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Oh, we saw that trailer last night. I saw it for the first time. Man, does that look bad! You, you have a great movie. <laughs> it's an iconic movie, and nothing they have done since then has been remotely close. <laughs> I am completely on board with you, and I've I've long said I don't understand the cult like reverence for that franchise when there's one 
good entry in it. One. Yeah. Ooh, Adam. Oh. You know what? I'm 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 going to be silly because we're coming out of the season. A Christmas Story. Oh jeez. It's an, it's now at least a trilogy. I think there's a total of four. So that's a that's a one done. You know, I want to talk. I want to say one that uh, another one I've been trying to get Matt to discuss. We've I've discussed it elsewhere, but I would like to discuss Jaws eventually again. That's one. Oh, yeah. That, Stop that you one. Might, you might have won the argument right there. You have sold your story. You have told your story, and I get it. You know, in the seventies franchise wasn't even a thing i mean once star wars came out it was but nobody even thought about it then so they were pretty much thinking on the fly on that and um as much as there are things in those other three movies that you could definitely point to whether in a serious way or not and say yeah that was pretty good or in a you know in a sarcastic way uh i i think dude you had it at one you made the perfect movie don't fucking do it again and they tried four more times three yeah, more times i, I think that's uh, you know what I, I, I got a serious answer now and it's funny because it's going to go hand in hand with that jurassic park Ooh, well, that's fair that's, that's fair. a good one too yeah another spielberg film but it's amazing how he can make one complete story in a film that others just keep fucking going it was with. the third one but the thing is those other movies make money yeah so, but well so uh, does a lot of crap that's true. Uh, you know, it's Iron Man three. Well, uh, well, uh, we'll find we'll find about that eventually. Um, but you know, a lot of the a lot of retros we've done, Garrett, you could argue fall in this category. The Exorcist is a big one. Um, oh yeah. You know, oh, I love the third one, one, but you could also justify the argument that that movie could have nothing to do with the Exorcist and it'd still be just as good. Um, mm-hmm. That's a that's a fair point. Uh, a lot of horror franchises fall. How oh Halloween. Um, if I was to pick a horror franchise, I think this yeah. is the one that is the biggest victim of the franchise argument. Uh, you have a first movie that is holistic, it's pure, and it's got a conclusion that is satisfying without feeling the need to regurgitate it. And this is the franchise that just will not die. <laughs> like, how many times have they rebooted it? Yeah. Like they they yeah. they they tried with three. That was the first reboot, technically. Four is a reboot, kind of. H2O, Rob Zombie, and then these new ones. Mm-hmm. Like it is just and of the big three, you know, we've talked about Nightmare on, on Elm Street. We've talked about uh What's the Jason one? Friday Thirteenth. I'm sorry, everyone. I just I, I I was like I totally blanked on the name, which very seldom happens. I think Halloween is the one where the bad ones are so bad that they hurt the entire series. Because like the Nightmare movies, I can like not watch Freddy's Dead or New Nightmare in my case. Sorry, Adam. Uh, but the Halloween movies. Some of those are some of the worst horror movies I've ever seen. Like, and I, and I know, like, I've seen a lot of crap. Like, 
Look, I'm the guy who watched all the Puppet Master movies. And, like, <laughs> I, have, I have gone down the rabbit hole of crap. But I'm talking about, like, mainstream, like, big-name franchises. Halloween and Texas Chainsaw have the worst, like, batting. Oh, they yeah. have the worst batting by far. Texas Chainsaw by far. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's Hellraiser. Well, I don't even think the first Hellraiser is any good. I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll get I'll to throw that eventually. out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, horror is the, I think, the, the genre that is the biggest victim of the franchise model. Um, because they're, they were so cheap to make. I mean, look at the Saw movies. Did we ever think we were going to get 10 Saw movies? Mm, no. I think there's, no, no, there's what? Are there 10? Ten. Yeah, they can only like, Billy Plank. Yeah, but, but like oh, I always think of Saw X is the tenth like main one. I don't. I always remember that they count Jigsaw and Spiral. They count Spiral. Um, yeah, that that throws me off. And eleven. And eleven comes out next year. Yeah. Uh, someone asked, we will do Saw at some point because those those movies we could probably do two at a time. Um, because yeah. the one thing I'll say, those are bingeable. Um, up to mm-hmm. a point. Uh, because it is like it is one, uh, it is a soap opera with with just gigantic amounts of gore. Like you can call it as the saw blade turns or something. Like that would be the if there was a soap opera. Um, but but yeah, like it's always whenever you have a successful movie, it's natural to you know make more. Um, and you know I'm trying to think of like what worked about Nightmare was that they they kept expanding the lore of Freddy where whereas like when they did it with Halloween it just kept getting worse and worse the more you, they tried to explain Michael Myers um and and Jason there there's never there was never anything there it's just those movies were just there to kill people like <laughs> like some of them I like more than others but uh I mean, look, none of them are something I would consider great horror. And then you can throw in all the other ones. Amy DeVille Horror, really? They made a franchise out of that? Like, Yeah, there are so many. Uh, you know, like, Child's Play has gotten better, I'll say that, ever since um, the TV show. Uh, I would like the remake. Still can't believe it. But yeah, so... You know, that's kind of the, the, the franchise. But for me, it's Ghostbusters. Th- that is number one with a bullet. And we are going to be reviewing the new Ghostbusters to segue. Because uh, that comes out in March. And I am I am yep. dreading it. Because as Garrett said, that trailer was awful. Oof. Taking out in March? Yeah. What yeah. idiotic WB type idea is that? Summer getting okay. bigger and bigger. They're trying to expand right. summer. No Zack Snyder yeah. March, so yeah, let's do Ghostbusters Elsa Descends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it, it looks like crap. There's, there's no other, I'm not going to mince words, because I did not like Afterlife. This one looks unfathomably worse. And they have one shot of Bill Murray where he just looks so mad to be there. And we, are, we have reached a point where Dan Aykroyd cannot give exposition anymore, which we learned in the last movie. 
And it just, it's not even Jason Reitman. He's not even directing this one. Garrett, do you know who Who's is? The, really? Who, All right. Really? Jason Reitman's no, not directing not. it? Uh, it is. Uh, you're going to laugh when I say this. Did Gil Keenan ring a bell to you? Oh, my God. Poltergeist. Yep. <sighs> and he, him and Jason Raymond oh. are the writers on it. But Oh, boy. Yeah, sorry to uh, what little excitement you might have had. I think I just dashed those dreams. Ooh. I mean, Poltergeist, that also should not have been a franchise. That movie is one of a kind. I want to do that movie. I want to do that series so bad. <laughs> as, as I, I, I said, about that. it should not have been a franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, remake notwithstanding, and um, there's so many things to discuss with that movie. Oh, yeah, not just who directed it. My favorite, is when, my favorite <laughs> is when Spielberg said, "Oh, get the fuck out of the way." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that brings us to 2024, and look, it's tough to top a year where you do Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Superman. I mean, that's a tough that's a tough slate to overcome. Mm, yeah, we had a big slate this year with some really good shows. I thought those Star Wars shows turned out excellent. I thought the Indiana Jones shows turned out really good. I think when you have something where we have passion behind it, um, they they really turn out well. Those have been really fun shows to edit, no matter how long they are. Um, they are ex- they they. I think we've done a really good slate. And I even told these boys probably about a month ago, like, man, we did some really good shows this year. <laughs> but yeah, we have a we have a big slate coming up for sure. So we mentioned Planet of the Apes is kicking off the year. Uh, so we're, we're splitting it up. So we're going to do the first five. Then we're going to take a break and come back and do the, the multiple reboots leading up to the new one. Uh, so that's a franchise for me that the other two boys did not fight me on. Uh, then we're doing The Incredibles, which I know Adam has a lot to say about. Because um, it's 20 years and I still remember seeing that in the theater. And then mm-hmm. Garrett gets his wish because we go wow. back to Stephen King. To close yeah. out night shift, thank God. Well, well, not well, not to close well, it out. Everything except for children of the corn. One story to get one story to get to one story left in the franchise to discuss. <laughs> so the story of which has twelve movies attached. Yeah, and then go. So Ghostbusters <laughs> is March slash April, which will lead mm. us to uh, us bringing Mick back. We're not talking horror. Well, unless you listen to what the star left out a tape recorder for somebody. <laughs> uh, Mad Max. Uh, Furiosa is actually coming out. I couldn't believe it when I saw the trailer. Yeah, I saw that trailer yesterday as well. It looks pretty amazing, actually. God damn. Like, I talk about a franchise that, I mean, nobody thought we'd get one as late as we did. Um, and it's been almost 10 years since Fury Road, so. Amazing to think about that. Uh, you know, that's going to be a good one. Uh, then we co- yeah, and by the way, Mick has teased a story about Mel Gibson <laughs> to us. And I, God, if anyone listened to our Exorcist set of podcasts, that guy has story after story. One that I could not leave on the air because it was pretty demonstrative towards a certain director. But uh, I, I, that guy is amazing on the air, and when he when he says he has a story about somebody, it's always worth tuning in for. So I can't wait to discuss that series. And you know what? Those those movies, I don't have a real affinity for those movies, honestly. I am going to lead those discussions, um, I, but there there are certainly things about them that 
really transcended the action genre and turned it on. Yeah, head. I mean, you're, you're talking about those movies made Mel Gibson a star. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, those and Lethal Weapon. Yeah, and Lethal Weapon is Lethal Weapon is on the schedule, everyone. Uh, but <laughs> made him an accent, or they made him get rid of yeah. accents. <laughs> Sorry, watch the first Mad Max. I mean, listen, oh, yeah. you know, those movies yeah. echo those movies echo the original Star Wars trilogy. You got a, a movie that was really tactile, one of a kind. You had a bigger and better sequel that's widely regarded as one of the best sequels of all time. Then you got a third one that was kind of kiddified compared to the first two. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And they rebooted it the same year that Star Wars came back. So yeah. Uh, then we go back to Planet of the Apes, uh, which I am re- I'm really excited to talk about Planet of the Apes in general, but specifically the Tim Burton movie. And the the I guess you call it the Andy Circus trilogy, because um, mm-hmm. I know there's multiple directors, but you know he's the name I associate with. And then the new one, which is um, I saw a trailer for that, and it piqued my interest. Uh, and I'm surprised they made it. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest, yeah, me too. So then we get the new. Re- yeah, I thought it would have been finished, but I've only. But, yeah, go ahead. I've only seen the I've only seen the first of the new Andy Circus ones and i'm kind of glad i held off because i i can't wait to watch these you know for that discussion and the original movies have a lot of things to discuss because it's a it's a it's one of the yeah they do probably that in star trek like when you think of science fiction like pure science fiction those are kind of what i think of um bad boys four we're getting ganary back to talk about a movie that i I, I don't understand why they're making it yeah because Will Smith can't keep his hands to himself. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair answer, but I mean, look, we all liked the third one. Uh, yeah, it was a surprise. So who knows? Uh, now we get to the fun one. So the reason we kept our mouth shut about John Wick is because we are doing it. Um, the spinoff mm-hmm. is coming out, and nothing makes me less excited than seeing the words directed by Len Wiseman. <laughs> And nothing gets Adam more excited oh, than seeing no. the words directed by Len Wiseman. <laughs> no, that means I'm, that usually means I'm going to see his wife show up, but I don't think she's in this. That's why she's not in it. Yeah. But, but, I mean, look, we're talking about, you know, this is one of the, I would argue it's been the most consistent franchise we've gotten in the last 10 years. Um, mm. At least in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we put our cards on the table with the with the fourth one because all three of us had it in our top five. But um, I tell you, it's, it, this thing's going to have more blues than a David Lynch movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and in case anyone asks, because I know Dune Part Two is coming out next year, I'm saving that for the actual David Lynch retrospective. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then, which we are going to then do. Garrett gets his big one because we're doing Alien. Yep. Uh, which I have already discussed, but not with these two gentlemen. And believe it or not, I still have more things to say about it. Because there's a, there's a series, especially mm-hmm. those first few movies, that you could dissect for hours. Adam has been waiting years to talk about Alien Covenant, so I know. <laughs> um, then Children of the Corn. Because yep. we have to. Uh-oh. Uh, yep. In between that, we have Transformers. I, I, one. Oh man, it's only been it's uh, been a oh year. God, I was waiting for another Transformers movie. I I can't believe it's taken this long. And Joker two. Yeah. 
I don't know what to expect. I honestly don't. Apparently, it's a musical. Yeah. And uh, we are also, Shyamalan's got a new movie slated for next August. Yeah. Uh, we're doing Alien because there's a new movie. And it's also 35 years, so it at least correlates yep. if the new movie doesn't come out, which, who knows? There's a TV series coming out. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, it's like Terminator. They keep digging it back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the No Holly TV series supposed to be, I think, next fall. So once we get through Children of the Corn, and I say get through because I guarantee you that's going to be a slog, <laughs> we we go back to Star Wars to close the yes. to close the book on what's been a very interesting period of Star Wars with Disney's. Well, we got to do the Clone Wars movie, mm-hmm. and then we got Episode Seven, Rogue One, Episode Eight, Solo, Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you, my opinions on those movies, it's gonna look like one of those uh, stock charts where it's like up, down, up, down, uh, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a great summation mm-hmm. of Disney's uh, motto on Star Wars. It's all over the goddamn place. Yep. Um, yeah, that's our that's our next coming year. Um, again, it's really tough to top what we did this last year. Um, but you know, it's we're we're gonna try, and I, I think there's a lot of passion behind a lot of these series that we're doing, um, and I, I think you know it's as much as people have been asking for this Patreon, it's it's just tough to keep up with what we have going already, <laughs> and I, I don't know if we have it in us to do one. Uh, we're gonna pro- we're gonna try to get that done sometime in the next year, but it's a uh, because I have my friend at work who asks me all the time, are you guys ever going to put that up? You said you were. I said, we don't know. Um, you know, I've had a few health issues this last year. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I could take doing yet another set of edits throughout the course of a week. So maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. But one thing we're going to guarantee is we're going to put out the best quality shows we can do on the free feed because that's what you guys have come here for and uh the and we can reward you guys for always supporting us we've had some great support throughout the course of this couple years that we've been doing our own thing and we wouldn't do it if we didn't have that support and um you know it we don't, don't think we don't love doing it but you know all of us have lives you know i'm planning a wedding i'm going to be married this year you know uh these gentlemen have families and kids who are who keep growing and getting bigger and um but we do it because you know we love doing it and you guys are always there to support us so just we're going to continue putting out the best quality we can so i got so i got a question before we wrap it up for each of you whether we're going to discuss it or not is there a movie coming or what movie coming out this year are you are you most intrigued or looking forward to? Uh, oh boy. Well, let me look up the slate of what's coming out in twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's what I'm doing <laughs> right now too. Um, uh, so does Adam, do you have an answer since you asked? Like, um yeah, for mean me girl. and it's no, just kidding. It's it's more of a uh, curiosity. I don't, I can't say that I have huge, huge hopes, but yeah, I mean, I'm getting a new Hellboy movie this year. Oh, that's right. 
And people know that, you know, I love Big Red. Um, Being that it's already filmed, already done, and they haven't even showed any production stills, I don't know if I can be excited about it. You know, this thing feels like it's was filmed in Romania about the same time that Henry Cavill was doing Hellraiser films. So I don't know what to expect, except, you know, Mike Mignola supposedly is writing it. It's one of my favorite stories, but that doesn't mean it's going to translate well. But I hope they don't fuck it up, you know. So we'll see. Yeah, Adam keeps we got we got to give that to him eventually, Matt. One day. Mm. No rush. Well, I looked at the slate because uh, eventually they're going to screw it up so bad that Pearl will come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I looked at he'll be eighty, but he'll come back. Old, old man Hellboy. Mm. So I gotta say, I looked at some of these movies and I cannot believe what I am seeing. Um. I saw the words, The First Omen. It is a prequel to the Yes. Mm-hmm. Talk about a franchise that you don't God. need. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I'm, I'm trying to pick stuff that, look at stuff that's not like part of a franchise. You know what? Or... You know what sticks out to me? And I saw a poster for it when we went to the movies last night. Um, one of my favorite directors of the past of the modern era is Robert Eggers and he has a version of Nosferatu coming out this year that really has me intrigued and or excited. I'm really curious to see what he does with that. I'll take the easy way out and say, if I was to pick one thing that has me the most curious, it is the, the adaptation of wicked because that is like, is that final gonna drop? Yeah, that is like the Broadway musical uh, that has yet to be adapted. Uh, you know, it's been a tremendous, tremendous success. I want to see it on stage first. I really want to see it on stage. And look, they, Adam, there is a there is a new Alex Garland movie coming out this year, which we also saw the trailer Civil for. War. Uh, oh yes, which Civil looks War. terrible. <laughs> no, I, I am so. I'm sure you. I, I, it, it's. I, you know what? You, I believe in Harvey Dent and A24 Alex Garland combos. So. Okay. Yeah, I said Men was one of the best movies, and that's why Garrett almost lost his shit. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, I, I would say of the main stuff, you know, like Big Ten Pulse, I'm very curious about Deadpool 3. The reason I say that, God, the, yeah, the reason I say yeah. that is because of Hugh Jackman coming back. Because it better be fucking worth it. Yeah. And this is the first time. Yeah, he's I, coming back. Yeah, he's playing Wolverine in this. Jesus Christ. Complete in the blue and yellow. Like there are there are set <sighs> photos of him in the classic costume. And um, the thing is, they've, also, they've come out. They've come out to say that they're not undoing Logan. That that still matters for a reason and. I do. I'm willing to bet Disney pumped an utter fuck ton of money to use this to reboot the universe. This is the only Marvel movie next year outside of Spy- across the Spider Verse, maybe. And I, I'm betting this sets up the next phase of Disney. Yeah. And and the thing is, like, look, this is the MCU has never like fully incorporated a pre-existing because like Spider-Man they borrowed from the other movies, but like this is the first time they're doing a movie in that continuity. Um, cause remember, Deadpool, cause remember Deadpool, 
yeah, as well. Yeah, Deadpool was part of the Fox X-Men. Like, the MCU had nothing to do with it. Uh, yeah. And they've also said Jennifer Garner's in it. Like, that's like the other big name that they've said is coming back. And look, it's been, what, 20 years since Daredevil? Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you Ben Affleck is going to be in here somewhere. There, there is no way he is not. I oh, cannot I'm see bet, him doing it. I'm willing to bet they get John Favreau back as Foggy. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's in yeah I'm I'm thinking they're going to adapt Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, which is a graphic novel, and they do that to like kill off the Fox Universe. I just I got to. I just think it's already been killed off. That's the thing. Like between Dark Phoenix and and they've done it in numbers so many times, yeah, and, and that franchise yeah. like, has its legacy already in place. Um. And I, I've just been against bringing Wolverine back because I'm. Yeah, I think he's cheap in it. Yeah, and I don't. It could be like, it could be the best performance he's ever given, and I'm still going to have a certain amount of resentment. And also, like, look, Hugh Jackman's not a young guy anymore. Thank you. Like he's in his. Ooh, no, but he's freshly single. Yeah. Oh, is he? So, <laughs> yeah, him and Deb divorced. Oh, that sucks. I um, are you? How I'm much would you guys? Hugh Jackman's. <laughs> How much would you guys hate me if I said Beetlejuice two? I'm curious because the the original not just because well, the original is one of my favorite yeah. comedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not just because they're bringing my uh, my other hall pass back, but uh, <laughs> but they have you know Tim Burton's back. That's not a good thing. Miles That's Millar. not a good thing if you looked at Tim Burton's recent movie. Well, it is a good thing because of what he's done with Wednesday. Yeah, but I didn't even think like, it was that good. That was one of my that. huge surprises when it came out last year. And it made me think, you know what? This guy still has it in him to do something this quirky, this fun, and this off-putting. So I do – I am excited for that. And they have Miles Millar and Alfred Molina working – or Alfred Molina. Um, well. Alfred Goff, thank you. Alfred Goff working on it, who are two of my favorite people. So I – people in the business. I am really interested to see if they can create magic with that movie. It's also bad – I will believe that movie when I'm sitting in it and it comes up on screen. Yeah, I will believe that movie's coming out if I see a trailer. (laughs) Uh, You know, because a lot Um, of the other stuff, like, you know, the other big – the the sequels that we're not doing – like there's a new Godzilla versus Kong. I have no interest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Madam Web. I saw the trailer for that. Adam. Why does Sony? Why does Sony hate Spider-Man fans? Wait, Craven never came. Wasn't Craven supposed to be out? Yeah, this they year? pushed it back to August. August of next year. There's that's coming out after Web. Yeah, now? it comes out August 30th. Wow. Um, oh wow! Yeah, the, the, and Venom Three comes out in October. Oh, because Sony is determined mm. to to they are the they are like the Vince Russo of wrestling, where they're like, uh, 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 <laughs> the, you are gonna like this whether you enjoy it or not. We're just gonna keep giving it to you. They <laughs> must be so angry at Disney that they're just trying to kill Spider Man as a whole. <laughs> I mean, and speaking of, you know, Venom and Tom Hardy, I saw a trailer for a movie called The Bike Riders, which I'm only interested in because I like Jeff Nichols. Uh, and Tom Hardy's doing a crazy accent, which I always hear for. 
Jeff Nichols is, is making another movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's like it looks like Sons of Anarchy, but without the pretense. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, because you know I like that show until it crawled up its own ass. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so it's set in the 1960s, follows the rise of a fictional Chicago motorcycle club. Jody Comer, Austin wow. Butler, Tom Hardy, Michael Shannon. Uh, I uh, I am a big Jeff Nichols fan, so I'll be curious to see that one. I'm excited for Doom 2 just because. Do you need a nap? Well, p- the second half is the worst part of the David Lynch movie. Um, maybe this mm. will be the inverse where part two is considerably better than part one because shit actually happens. Mm. Man, another trailer I saw blew up out of nowhere. Who was that? Austin Butler. Oh that. yeah. That dude is just, I mean, after yoga hosers, he never should have been allowed to have a career. <laughs> well, he comes to the, he came from the Disney channel. Believe it or yeah. not. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, Kevin Smith's got a new movie next year. Oh, God. Does he really? Yeah, 4.30 movie. Has nothing to do with his other stuff. God. It's like a throwback to theater hopping in the 80s. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, a lot of big directors have new movies coming out. Um, like uh, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren has a directorial movie coming out. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> uh, you know, which, you know, good for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, fucking this new Jason Statham, the Beekeeper. I don't know if you saw the trailer for that. Yeah. I laughed my ass off. So did I. Yeah, we thought it looked. Oh fun. god, it looks it looks hysterically bad, but I know it's David Ayer, so it's probably gonna suck. <laughs> um, you know, the Cohen, one of the Cohen brothers has a movie coming out. Um, is that a Cohen? Is that the Cohen brother, or is that the one who actually like goes by no, Ethan Cohen, but he's Ethan, not a Cohen brother? Ethan Cohen, because if you watch the trailer for Drive Away Dolls, you could tell it's a Cohen. One of the Cohen brothers directed it. I don't know, man. I, I, I there's there's a different Cohen brother. There there's is, a different Cohen the one out there. Who wrote Tropic Thunder goes by that. Yeah, it's not him. Yeah, because if you look at the Wikipedia, it links to the proper Cohen brother. Oh wow. Okay. Couple other ones, you know, um, the Roadhouse remake, for obvious reasons. Uh, yeah, I was gonna, I, I was gonna mention that one. Uh, what's it called? Freaking! I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. Uh, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bong Joon Ho. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. There for that. Uh, Yeah, a lot of it though, it's just stuff that I'm obligated to review. Um, <laughs> you know, Lee Winnell's a wonderful yeah, way to Lee, look to look. Lee Winnell's Wolfman movie is supposed to come out, but Ryan Gosling yeah, Ryan Gosling's no longer starring in it, so I doubt that. I'm only saying because I really liked his Invisible Man. Um, I'm curious mm-hmm. what, Me too. what he could do with all these properties. Uh, Gladiator Two, I'm curious about. Um, because I hate the first movie, and I want to see if this one's actually good. Yeah, Nosferatu's Christmas. That's a holy year. That sucks. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, why is that not a Halloween release? Yeah. Because the yeah. fucking October slate 
there's only one horror movie, and it's Smile 2. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. why? I know, because the first one made a shitload of money. Like, that movie made $200 million on a $17 million budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of all I got. All right. Well, so much for going three and a half hours, uh, huh, boys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't do these epic podcasts too often. These are the stuff that me and Matt used to cringe at when Binge would do it all the time. And But you know what? We like to get our thoughts out there. We like to do one to thank everybody who listens and to give people treats as far as what we have coming up and um, answer your questions, which we really appreciate. There's just so much that I'm thankful for when it comes to this site that, um, you know, we get to do what we love and I'm really thankful for that. So I just wanted to express that in a epic. It's a good way to close out. So thank you all very much for listening. We'll see you in the new year. Bye.